This week on the OneCast, part two with Matty Wong. We talk about his first year in the Elites, fishing the Classic, and then, of course, we're going to get into year two and requalifying. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God, it's a toad, It's a toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow, feel like it's going to be a bad day. What is going on, fans of the OneCast? Welcome back to the OneCast podcast. Trey is back with Ben and I this week. He's back from his work trip, back in the studio. Excited to have Mighty Wong back on with us for part two of his Elite Series journey. We, we got all through his qualification last time. We're going to talk about actually fishing the Elites. Uh, as always, make sure you head over to OneCastFishing.com. Use the code the OneCast to check out. Save 10%, get you some snagless jigs, uh, long neck hooks, weedless neds, and some of those soft plastics that pair so well. Not only with our jigs, but alone Texas rigged or uh, on any jig. If if you choose to use somebody else's, hopefully you don't. But um, yeah, make sure you check us out, boys. How are we doing, man? I'm glad to be back. It was uh, a pain in the butt, you know. I left uh, New York the day before uh, September 11th, so it was kind of a bittersweet moment. But it's good to be back. It's good to be back down south and uh, get a little fishing time in, and you know, hopefully uh, working towards the end of the you know 2025. So. Big, uh, big things on the horizon, but, um, you know, hey, guys, uh, head on over to heroesharvest.org. I want to highlight that nonprofit organization and uh, FX3 Inc. That's also another MPO. Um, and go check out the events and uh, some of the things that they're offering the veterans in, in, uh, in the United States and abroad uh, to focus on combating suicide awareness and PTSD. So appreciate you guys uh, following along with us. Yeah. I, so before we bring Maddie on here in a second, I, I do. If you haven't listened to part one of this, mm-hmm. and that came out probably what three or four weeks ago, a month yeah, ago, about a month ago. Pause it right now. Go pull it up on YouTube. Go download the podcast. Listen to that we went. It was about two and a half, three hours long, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was almost three. It was almost three, which is why we have a part two today because we didn't even get to talk to, to him about fishing the elites. It was, and again. Manny's got one of the coolest stories uh, of qualifying and just growing up in Hawaii and in California and all. So, so go listen to that and then come back here and uh, check this episode out. That's right. Yep. And one, one last thing I want to throw out there. We talk about cash and fishing rods a lot. Uh, we have a giveaway coming. I'm not going to give you all the details, but cash has donated a rod. There's going to be a rod in there. There's going to be some gear from Carolina waters, uh, one cast fishing, some, the one cast swag possibly uh some other companies are throwing some stuff in so we're hashing out the details on that uh we'll be bringing that to you but if you're anywhere within i would say three hours it's worth the drive uh check out cashingrods.com uh look at the uh upcoming kayak masterclass. it doesn't matter if you're a kayak fisherman or a boat fisherman uh, they have three dudes on their absolute hammers in the tournament game uh, going to be sharing a bunch of inside information. If you're interested in getting into kayak fishing, into tournament fishing, any of that, make sure you check that out. I think I think tickets are 40 bucks. I have to double check. Um, but you get a free lunch. You get to come hang out. We'll be there. A ton of good information. Uh, you can tour the rod manufacturing facility there uh, and see how a rod's made from start to finish. So, And not only that, there's a couple of friends of the show who are going to be there, yeah. right? Yeah, Corey, got Corey Dreyer and mm-hmm. Casey Reed who have both been on. Uh, and Jody Queen, who we will have on at some point. Uh, some of the uh, just hammers in the good. kayak world, for Big, sure. Yep. And that's on what, 30 September? 30 September, yep. yeah. Yep, 30 so make September. Sure you got about two weeks. Well, you have about a week from when this comes out. So make sure you check that out. And uh, if you're able to attend, attend that because it's going to be a good time. What's going on, guys? Pete with the OneCast here. So excited to announce our newest podcast partner, 
Carolina Waters. Carolina Waters is a performance fishing and outdoor lifestyle apparel company that's based right here in North Carolina. They provide clothing like lightweight UPF shirts for those days out on the water or in the field for your hardcore fisherman or athlete. They also have casual t-shirts for those more relaxing days. Tons of different styles of headwear for the whole family. No matter what it is you're doing, if you're doing it outdoors in the Carolinas or anywhere across the country, Carolina Waters has you covered. Be sure to head over to their website, check out the apparel, find what fits your needs at carolinawatersnc.com. For the month of September, use the code THEONECAST, all one word, to save 20% off your order at carolinawatersnc.com. Again, that's carolinawatersnc.com. Use the code THEONECAST at checkout to save 20%. Appreciate y'all. Make sure you check them out. Use that code to let you know that we sent you. Help us continue to grow a culture of anglers helping anglers one cast at a time. Without further ado, I'm going to bring Maddie Wong back on one cast. What's up? What's up, dude? All the way uh, near the uh, international dateline, we are joined by none other than Matty Wong, who just requalified for the Bassmaster Elite Series. How you doing, bro? I'm good, man. It's uh, got a little cold, so bear with me. Uh, a little sore throat, but besides that, life is good, man. I'm, I'm really happy to be back in Hawaii, be able to be with my family and my friends and, and everyone here. So it's been a really nice trip so far. It's it's um, It always takes me a couple of weeks to settle back in and to feel like, okay, I got to like downshift, you know, slow back down to the, the speed of island life. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's been really good, man. So I'm, I'm stoked. I'm glad that we got to pop back on and get this route, this part two going, man. For sure, dude. It was uh, long overdue, but we wanted to give you time after we lit the fire under your butt to finish out those last three events. That's right, uh, yeah. I'm going to give us uh, all the credit for that. But <laughs> yeah, no, you know, shout out to one class, you know, you, know, what you, <laughs> you know, dude, um, before we jump into it, the, I, I made a statement last time during the show, like, you know, with tragedy comes opportunity. That's kind of been like your trajectory um, mm-hmm. as you've moved into the elite series. And um, I, I, we talked about it before the show started, but there are some opportunities that people can create from the tragedy that happened in Maui. Is that, is that not accurate? Yeah, it's, oh man, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a, it, that's a topic of, uh, that, that hits me with a heavy heart. I mean, um, the, the community in Lahaina has, has been absolutely devastated by that, uh, that fire. And, um, you know, I, and I get, I get asked the question quite often, you know, I want to donate, but who do I donate to? And, I don't like do not donate to FEMA do not donate to Red Cross you know like the the people that you want to donate to are the individuals that have been affected and 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 not these random like nonprofit organizations that say that they're going to do stuff but when you can actually put money in the hands of people that literally lost everything um yesterday I was at my friend's tackle shop in Honolulu called Brian's Fishing Supply and his family walked in. Um, it was um, the, the the husband's name's Anthony and um, the wife's name's Camille. And they had four kids. And they were picking up some fishing gear and, like, some reels. And the kids were super bubbly and just stoked. Not talk like, 
they were they were happy. They were laughing. You know, they were you know enjoying each other's company. And well, you know, in Hawaii we say talk story, which is like oh, just you know, like let's hang out. And so we start talking story, and and. I was asking the kids, like, oh, you know how to throw bait casters, you know? And the kids, oh, yeah, I can throw them out. Watch, let me show you. Pulls his phone out and, like, shows me a video of him casting. And I was like, oh, sick, right on. And so we start talking. I show him some photos of some big ulua that I caught when I was younger, you know? And, and we start talking about ulua fishing. And then it kind of segues into a little bit more of a somber tone. And they're saying, yeah, you know, well, we lost all of our fishing gear. Oh, what happened? They're like, well, we're from Lahaina, you know, our house burned down and we lost my, my, the, the Camille said her dad had lost a couple boats that they had on the property. Um, they lost all their fishing gear, all of their personal belongings, except for basically what was on their backs. And, uh, luckily they, the kids weren't home when the fire started, uh, and they were away um with some with other friends and so you know they they uh i i i was i was like okay well do you guys have a gofundme like what's going on i want to be able to help and she's like yeah we you know we started but we're not big on social media so you know i'm like hey what whatever i can do send me the link da, 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 da. so i'm just asking for your guys help um yeah. anyone who's listening into this um and you want to actually make a difference with with people in the community of Maui if you've ever visited Hawaii and if you've ever visited Maui and enjoyed a vacation there or anything like that I feel like you're indebted to being able to give back to the community and uh, this is a perfect way to do it this would directly help this family and um, you know uh, the link I think how uh, I think Pete's setting up a link Yep, I'll have yep. it posted in the description yeah. below. Yep, that's a that is a direct link to the GoFundMe of this family, and um, you know you'll help get some fishing gear back in these kids' hands and get them back out stoked and you know keep the smiles on their faces. So that is a yeah. It's I always try to find ways to you know encourage people during times of adversity, but also when you have like a tragedy that's just you know you can't. There's no controlling it you know what, what can we do as a community to help one another and yeah, yeah. that's a fact dude it, it takes a village uh to really do uh to to put efforts towards making an impact right and and there's a time and place for um you know big organizations that have to go through levels of bureaucracy in order to get funding and then there's sure. definitely a time and place where it's like from me to you I want to help you rebuild your community that I so much loved when I was vacationing there, whatever the case may be. Right. Yeah, and so totally. that's, that's what makes, uh, that's what makes all of us small people powerful, uh, oh, is yeah. because we're, because we have the numbers. So we're definitely going to share that, uh, that information. And, um, I know on my personal social media pages, I'm going to blast that yeah. link out. Um, Thanks. you know, we, and we did, and we did something similar to a buddy of mine who was my boat technician. His wife was dealing uh, with cancer, and and they were able to to raise a significant amount of money because even a dollar per person, if there's a few hundred thousand people listening to it, that goes a long way. You know what I'm saying? So, oh, yeah. uh, we appreciate you sharing that. And it's like I said, you know, now we can create some opportunities for other people that are at a disadvantage. So. And if you listen to us, you know we talk about it all the time. Uh, we want to we want to garner and grow a culture of anglers helping anglers these kids and their their parents are anglers uh i was raging a little bit on their GoFundMe before we started both parents are in public 
service. They work for the police department there. Yeah. Uh, let's make let's help some folks need some help. We know directly where the money's going. Uh, so, like Trey said, even a dollar, a dollar, you know, might be a pack of soft plastics for that kid to go out and and get his mind off of everything That's going right. on and for and sure. uh, put some food on the family's table. So. We wanted to make sure, you know, Maddie told us that story before we, you know, we were talking before we started to record and we wanted to make sure we get that out to everybody. So let's show, show the one cast, uh, you know, the community that we're building um, and let, let's make that donation. And I, I'm going to make a donation myself, but oh, I'm going to pull, I'm going to make an executive decision right now. If you make a donation, screenshot your receipt, send it into the one cast. Uh, anybody that does that sends that in. We'll do, we'll do a, another little giveaway. That's right. Uh, we have some hats and T-shirts and stuff coming, so we'll, we'll put oh, a little awesome. something together uh, for anybody that donates. So yeah. if you make a donation, screenshot it, send it to us on social media, uh, either my my personal DM, the the OneCast has pages everywhere. Uh, OneCast Fishing has them. Send them. We'll compile that, uh, and we'll we'll do a little giveaway for for anybody that helps uh, helps out those uh, family anglers in Hawaii. So that means uh, appreciate a lot. you sharing that, man. Yeah. No, seriously. Thank you guys. Like it's like you said, it's, it's, it's the community of anglers helping anglers and, and, and it's, it, it's those little people that can make a big difference. That's a and, fact. And so any, you know, that, uh, that means a lot fellas. Thank you. Absolutely. So anglers helping anglers, man. So we helped you jumpstart the, uh, the last three <laughs> events, but, uh, I know we, I know we want to rewind and uh, kind of yeah. go retro, right? Yeah, yeah. So we we ended with you qualifying. The, yeah. I think the last we talked about was the phone call with your brother. You know the emotions, how excited you were. Oh yeah. You talked to your girlfriend, and she was like, "Think about it." And you were like, "I don't need to. I'm going." <laughs> yeah, like I, I thought about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, you, well, you qualified, man. Like what? Obviously, what was your first step? Uh, you know, entry fees are heavy. All of that going on, and actually. Was it Trey? Did you send the thing the other day or did you send it where there was the infographic or maybe I meant to send it to you guys, but it was an infographic on elite anglers and 65% of the guys fishing the elite series are self-paying the entry fees. Oh, wow. No, um, you yeah. did not send that to anyone. I need yeah, to send it. It. <laughs> it had a whole breakdown of, of the elites and, and the guys, that how much they make fishing from fishing a year. And I think the average was like $30,000. Wow. Um, I'll, I'll share that with, with you guys. Dude, share share that with me too. Bro. I'll send it to you. <laughs> yeah. I, it was from, uh, I can't remember if it was Bass Talk a lot. Somebody yeah. wired to fish. Somebody somehow pulled a bunch of information and, oh. and looked at that stuff. But regardless, you're going, you know, you got to, you got to come up with some sponsor money. You yeah. need title sponsors. You got to figure out a boat situation because yeah. as, as much luck as that old Ranger brought you, Probably not what you are on a roll into the elite with. You yeah. got a free one that first year though, right? Yeah, so, so yeah, sure. I'll, I'll dive right into it. Um, yeah, man. With, with after that win, right, and the, that heavy conversation with my brother and my girlfriend. Um, so real quick, when when was that championship? Like, what time of year is that? I believe it was. Um, I believe it was in October. I can get the actual. I couldn't date. remember if it was October or November, but it, it was fall time. So it was cold. You didn't have a huge window to make all these preps, right? No, not at all. I mean, most of what what I found out um, in that time was that uh, a majority of almost, if not if not most, almost all of the companies um, that are you know do a fiscal year uh, budget assessment for you know for their next years, they 
solidify all their budgets um, by basically the end of October. Uh, mm -hmm. And if, I, if I'm looking at this, um, I mean, I got to Wachita River and we got there on November 1st. And I believe um, I ended up, it, I didn't find out until November 5th, or I mean, when I won on November 5th. So already well behind any type of like ability to, to in hopes to raise money. But then luckily with uh, the Ventura County Bass Club, which is the, the club that I was involved with, um, one of the guys that uh, over there, his name's Chris, he's a financial advisor and he's like, hey, I don't want a dime from you. This is how I want to help you. And, you know, anglers helping anglers like he literally he sat down with me and he's like, OK, this is what we need to do. Like we we carved out. He's like, you need to liquidate everything that you have right now. You need to you need to close down all your LLCs and all, like you, well, first the question was, are you ready to do this? Like, are you are you in 100 percent? And the reason why I even reached out to him is because I'm like, I'm in 100 percent. I just don't know how to go about it. I don't know how I'm going to even remotely get close to climbing this mountain alone. So I need the help of a professional. So I was like, all right, so yeah, man, I'm, I'm over Los Angeles. I'm grateful that I had an incredible career in photography and lighting there, but I was, it was starting to get stale and I, this was a perfect segue opportunity. And so when I said, dude, I'm all in, he's like, all right, Everything that you don't like that you don't absolutely need necessity, sell it. You need to liquefy, get as much capital as you possibly can. You need to be liquid. One, two, you need to take all your personal, like close belongings and send them back home to Hawaii. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm right. I'm right there with you, man. Like, or like, you know, you say you can keep a box of stuff in my house. And so what I did is I, I have a handful of things that are kind of, at a bunch of friends' houses in California. So they're, I'm super grateful that they've been, you know, gracious enough to let me borrow some of their storage. But the rest of the stuff I sent home to Hawaii and um, and then right there went into, okay, I need to make a pitch deck and I need to start, just like a marketing firm, I need to start approaching all these companies and reaching out to people and connections and try and see. Um, the coolest text that I got besides from my parents, my girlfriend, my brother was a text message from the CEO of mega bass of America. And he says, when the dust settles, hit me up. Cause we're in your quarter. Awesome. And, um, I was like, Oh, all right. Like that, that was like a huge relief because I was a, uh, like a grassroots angler with mega bass producing, uh, imagery for them. Uh, since 2018 or 2019 um, through my other social media uh, page, Capture Fish. So I was yeah. I was making high-end uh, commercial imagery, ad, ad imagery for Megabass. And, um, you know, we worked out some type of like, you know, some type of deal. And so it was just neat to have their support there. Um, I had a connection with Yeti through another friend that I was shooting, um, uh, videos and photos for and when it was is so I was able to compile this pitch deck basically explaining how 
what I'm bringing to the table that's never been done before and by something that's just completely different and why it's not a great opportunity. And um, from there, just I literally sat at my desk for a month and a half. I had an Apple box. If you, it's like a production, literally, it's like a production equipment. It's literally a, the size of an old Apple crate. And I had like a, a blanket. And that's literally what I, I sat on with a cup of coffee every day and emailed called every every possible uh company that i thought that i that i aligned myself mostly with so i didn't i wasn't going to random companies i had a couple companies come to me and were like hey we heard you qualify with that we want you and i'm like okay i'm in the process right now but i need to be I, it, internally i was like i i need to be very careful on who i align myself with because i need to make sure that all of the companies that I'm in bed with feel the same way about my, like the, well, all the pillars are all the same mm-hmm. and that, that they, that they are about sustainability, that they're about, you know, like, you know, giving back to the community and whether it's, and it's good storytelling and, and good individuals and everyone coming together. And so all these different companies, I made sure they're like, okay, everyone's solid. Um, reached out. Uh, one of the connections through Megabass helped me reach out to Sims. I got signed with Sims. Boom. The next one with Yeti got signed with Yeti. They were like, dude, we, 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 we're stoked. We saw you uh, win the deal. So we're in there. Um, and then just so on and so forth. Uh, Gamakatsu, actually, John Cruz hooked me up with Gamakatsu. He's like, yeah, I'll make a phone call. And next thing I know, I, I got a meeting with uh, Gamakatsu. I was actually the Sunline rep in Hawaii. When I was 19 years old, I was the first one to bring Sunline to Hawaii. And I had a connection there that I had held for 15 years. I don't know. A long time, you know. And (laughs) I didn't know. Like, I'm like, well, I I just, I'm a a firm believer in, like, always never burn a bridge. There's no reason, you know. And you never know when... Uh, an acquaintance or a, an old friend or someone can come back in your life and you can help benefit their life or vice versa. And Absolutely. So, um, you know, so it was just kind of neat on it was, it was this perfect storm of my existing connections through the surf world, through acting and photography um, and through marketing and, um, and then my, then the fishing world and then everyone in between all coming together and I was able to align myself with, with an incredible amount of companies that are, I, it was like an all-star lineup that I never thought in a million years I'd be all signed with. Um, and they managed to, you know, a couple of them were like, well, look, we're, we're pretty, we're locked in for next year, but I think with your situation, I think we can make a little bit of an exception. And I was able to kind of squeak out here and there and, and um yeah man and so with winning the nationals they let you have they let you borrow the boat it's a lease basically they let you borrow the boat for a year and at the end of the year you have to return it um so i was like okay i got the boat i didn't want to sign with any electronic companies because i wanted to run i wanted to run a 360 i wanted to run lorenz for mapping and then i um i got a deal through the nation to get an active target so i was just like i'll just get that um Everything came together last minute. One of my buddies, Cody, in California, helped me rig, rig my boat. Uh, and I had to sell my Forerunner because I 
I towed my old boat with a forerunner, and that's why I, I drove to the national. So I was able to sell my forerunner for the amount of money that I bought it for back in 2017. Nice. Um, flipped that, got into the new Tundra, which I bought in Ohio, and had to get shipped back to California yeah. because California was asking 25% more than tag yeah. cost when it first came out, and there was only 50 of them. So it didn't make sense to buy it there. So yeah. snagged one in Ohio. Paid an extra couple grand to get it sent over. Sold every single thing in my apartment. Sold all the furniture in my apartment. Um, I had a couple, two massive prints that mean a lot to me. So one of my buddies is holding on to those prints. But besides that, literally liquidated everything that I had, everything that can fit inside of a truck and that boat, and I sent it. Uh, so you know what this sounds like i just have to throw this out there it's like when you make a deal with a demon and you're like hey in 10 years i'm coming back to get your soul (laughs) but you're gonna sell everything off it's gonna be all right though that's crazy dude it's it's, you know it's what what i think we're hearing the same thing uh that we hear for a lot of guys right sponsors don't come and right you obviously had some connections from the industry and outside, but I really wish we had an image of you sitting on that crate because that, I know, you dude. know uh, I mean, it's, I might, I might actually have a photo of the uh, workspace, a, a month of and a half. Like you, you got to hustle and put in the work for that. Yeah. I think come together. But, but my other question was, so yeah, this was the height of COVID like yeah. supply chain issues. Like, did you have any problems? I moved out of this- LA at this point. Um, so, and, and so I, I was up in Ventura. Okay. And luckily, well, I didn't even think about that. The, the the California policies, but yeah, no, just getting stuff, getting your boat, like because I remember during that year, you know, guys couldn't get powerheads. Like guys were didn't have graphs. I remember somebody fishing the first storm of the year with a flasher on the front of their boat. Your truck and your boat—that was all you could take with you. Okay. I mean, they would ask me to liquidate, and I'd be like, "I have two kids. Like, th- yeah. is that what are they were? I got to no, give I'm them." <laughs> <laughs> I might pay entry for you. I'm just kidding. (laughs) You can see my my old uh, my tackle wall, and then like all the ABA plaques that I had gotten over like the past year and a half, and then that that it was an articulating desk, right? So after you know sitting on a block of wood for six hours, I would like stand for another six and rinse and repeat. Are you okay if I if we we share this in the video? Go for it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So if you're if you're listening and you want to see this, uh, we're we're put it into the this is it's going to be a weird transition because we took a quick break right there. But if you're listening, and you yeah, want to see uh, this you're work the, you session. Guys are the first person to or the first podcast to actually get that image. So that's awesome. Yeah. So if you yeah. want to see it, it'll be in the YouTube video, and we'll yeah. probably make a short and and uh, but but go there because it's really it's really kind of wild to he, think he doesn't have a chair. No, it is a block. When he says a block of wood, it's like an eight by eight block of wood. So, so anyone that's in production that knows an apple box, an apple box with a a a freaking blanket on it. But yeah, it was um, like you were saying, the supply chain was difficult. So I was on a back order. I had as soon as I got national when I qualified for the nationals, I ordered a three sixty, a helix, and an active target from uh from the deal that we had so we got like yeah. a little 30 percent off or something like that they're like yeah you won't get that till february and i was like okay um luckily so after november it was december 
Oh man, I w- I I wish I like literally wrote down all the timelines because it literally came down to the very last like few days. Um, I got the I was able to get um, Joby with Hummingbird to send me out my Helix a little bit sooner, um, along with the 360, and then the boat itself came with uh, a, a uh, with an active uh, with a, two 12 inch graphs. And so I was able to plug the active target in. I didn't have to buy an additional graph um, and had to, my buddy, Jason, the guy I was telling you about that slams coolers lights, Jason was, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, 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 he's, a, a he does a bunch of different things, handyman, but he was able to get aluminum bender and like bend this mount that I had bought. And it was like the wrong size. And so he was able to like, bend the mount a little bit and then he was able to make a uh, fabricate like a custom piece that i needed for the boat and so it was it was cool because like the community there like ventura county bass club like they all came together and they really like they helped me as much as i could you know and which whatever they could which was incredible they even started a gofundme for me to like help kind of pad um, what i got with um you know the uh the sponsorships and within a month and a half i was able to raise enough money to cover my entry fees and to basically cover all my expenses, um, which uh, after talking to a couple other rookies, they're like, dude, you did that in your first year. I'm like, I mean, I didn't fish for a month and a half. So I, mean, I, kinda, I don't know. Um, but yeah, you know, and uh, I hit the road, um, got down to, to Florida. I think that's where we started. And the first event was yeah. on Saint, that was a, St. John's is when John Saint won. John's. And that was yeah. my first time fishing in Florida. First and time I, ever fishing in Florida was an elite time series. ever fishing in Florida, elite event. And I busted 20 pounds day one, right, right behind Polonic and ended up with a camera on day two. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> oh, what is okay. happening? Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, but it was, it was a trip because I, you know, I was staying with Ike and Nelly and Greg De Palma. Um, and so just getting to like stay with those guys and to hear their stories and, um, yeah, it was definitely surreal. Like that first day when we were all at the docks and like Chris Aldane rolls up and he like looks on my deck and he's like, Oh, Margarita Mutilator, huh? And I, and, Cause we're both like Delta dudes. And so mm-hmm. he's like, he's like, dude, that gets bit everywhere. I'm like, Oh, you know, what's up. And I'm like, dude, this is someone I've looked up to for a really long time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then to see Paul and Nick roll up, um, and then Carl and just everyone, you know, um, I was definitely overwhelmed. And then day two, when I had that, I had that bag day one, day two, and then Brandon comes up to me again. This is like my hero. And he's like, yo dude, show up one day. Now I got a camera. I'm like, dude, what? Get one. It was like, I got lucky. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah. And so it was like, I got it. I had, I think I finished, I think it was like 21st. Like my day two, when I had the camera, I think I caught like a six inch bass and then I caught like a, a five pounder or something. And I was like, it was enough to squeak me into the cut because I had that good bag day one. It, how was, um, so St. Cause St. John's is such a tidal fishery. How close is that? Like, is, yes is there no. a, yeah, like, used to fish? So like George, it doesn't really show that much tide, but when you're up yeah, here, yeah. You will have a little bit more title change. Um, I just remember watching it because John, the cruise, like he was going to his juice like an hour later each day. I was like, 
because I, I don't yeah. fish hardly fish title fish like that that stuck with me like if i'm ever on a title fishery i need to remember that yeah yeah you have to make an adjustment about uh, it's so you have bite windows but then you also have title bite windows so if if you can figure out the point and the tide that they're going to be feeding um and then a lot of times those fish don't leave uh, on, let's say if the tide is even low you just got to learn how to make that adjustment on the low tide um okay. But a lot of times they will be feeding better when you have that current flow on on the mm -hmm. higher tide. So it does make so when you do push it back forty five to an hour per day when it comes to your tidal influxes. But so so what was that like, dude? Just 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 rewind that very first like the very first morning of the Elite Series on the water. Like, what did that feel like to you? Was it just another tournament, or was it like? No, man. I'm in the big leagues now. Oh yeah, it was, it was like surreal, dude. It was like I I had to pinch myself because I was I looked down. I'm in, I'm wearing a jersey. I didn't have a jersey. I I got a jersey for the the Bass Nation deal, right? And it was like a California one with a bunch of sponsors. Like I didn't have, you know. <laughs> it's like Triton, Mercury, like Ranger. It's like why is there Triton and Ranger? And you're know, like I'm like whatever. And so like there's just all this stuff that you know bass nation was sponsored by and you had to wear it it was required and so now i'm like i got this jersey i got my name on my back with all this stuff this design like like this is unreal look up you got a bunch of cameras and like a bunch of people down there seeing the blast off and then to just look around and see everyone else i was like, holy smokes like it got real you know yeah like, real, real, real quick real quick got real so from there i'm like all right well let's let's see just how this goes we're we're all competitors but knowing who you're fishing against did the thought ever cross your mind like man i hope i don't get my teeth kicked in today with these guys and i can prove that i belong or yeah i mean those I, kind I of thoughts you have those i think initially you know you're like well now it's really now it's either put up or shut up kind of situation you know it's now it's like i hope i can prove that I belong here because being a guy that's only been fishing tournaments since 2018, you know, and, and, and like still in this ever constant wheel of learning, I'm like, well, we'll see. It's my first time in Florida fishing. So let's, <laughs> let's start to figure it out. And do you then, feel, do you feel like because of the way you qualified like, like your first time coming through nations and you go through and you win, do you feel like, did you ever feel like anybody looked at you like, who is this kid? Like we've never oh, heard of him. Sure. He's never fished opens. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think they, I think a lot of people might've felt that way. I don't know if they were outwardly towards, like they weren't like publicly like that towards me. Um, I just more so only accepted in the, the positive. Yeah. And I yeah. just try to like, like the Drake meme, like, you know, like, <laughs> I'm good. You know, I don't, I, I just try not to, I try to block out just the negative BS, you know? And right. so it was funny because the next year on Bass Nation in California, <laughs> it went from, we had our tournaments that were about 20 to 25 people. They went from 20 to 25 to 40 to 50. Um, and it literally doubled their roster. And everyone that was on the year before, they're like, bro, how's this Matty Wong effect going on? <laughs> they're like, shoot, if this guy can do it, then I can too. And I'm like, heck yeah, bro, you can. Yeah, like, yeah, really. yeah. And so I was like trying to encourage all the people that were like in and guess I had a bunch of people reach out to me. 
And they're like, dude, how do I sign up for the Bass Nation? I'm like, this is who you talk to. This is what you do. Good luck, man. I hope you get in, bro. And it's um, awesome, dude. Yeah, so it was it was kind of neat to see that, and pretty funny too at the same time, you know. Um, <laughs> So I'm like, dude, anyone could have done it before, like just because yeah. like this kid that like did it out of a bus boat that's like has barely been fishing uh tournaments, you know, like there's a lot of people who don't realize you can qualify that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, well, I, I mean, didn't know, you know, I I had to Jason had to tell me, and he's like, yo, dude, like you can fish the you can fish the classic through the Bass Nation, and I'm like, yeah. wait, what? And so he had to tell me the whole sort, like the whole way, the route, you know, so it's. I th- th- there's some things that are changing with Bass Nation, which kind of, yeah. it sucks, honestly. And that's just my personal opinion. I think yeah. that it's, it's more turned into more of a money grab and more of like a pay-to-play kind of a situation versus really giving the 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 hardworking weekend warrior a, like that, that dream. And so it's, but there's still a chance, so... The chances yeah, there's still a lot there. of there's a lot of folks that that mirror that sentiment. It, it's and, it's like because and I haven't kept track of it too much because it used to be you had to be part of a club, affiliated club, and I know like in North Carolina they don't do that. It's like a North open, Carolina we change yeah they changed how we get our state team. So you used to have to fish a state, the state federated club, and then you had to be in the top so many for that club to fish the state qualifier, and then you had to fish the state championship. Now they're just doing. Regional. three regional qualifiers yeah. that as long as you're a bass member in north and a north carolina resident you can fish that and if you if you win or qualify for the state team then you make it they talk take the top whatever 15 however many it is they're allowed to have top, so they top 10, probably. top 10 yeah so they made changes with how how you even qualified the the state team here huh. so yeah. so before we move to the to the rest of that first year what is so for a new guy? So I'm walking up on the elites. What does that sniff test look like? Like, do you have any examples of what the sniff test looks like? Like, yeah. Well, I think I think Zaldane gave me a sniff test. You know, because like we we talked on the phone a bunch, but like for him to like like just walk up to my boat and like look over the rail, you know, <laughs> like you don't like so you know certain people do that, certain people don't. But you know when you get like a rookie on tour, you're just like, what's up, dude? What you got? All right, okay, I see you. <laughs> you know, it's a, it, and it it's it's funny because then also half the people don't even know you're there. Yeah, or yeah. more than half. Uh, only the people that I've connected with, um, and so it was like, well, they don't know I'm here. I'm gonna show them that I'm here. <laughs> yeah, but, they knew after day one. Yeah, and so it was really cool to 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 cut that bag on day one. I went up there looking, bro. Like, there's a term in Hawaii, hamajang. It's a pigeon term, hamajang. Like, looking all just like whichever. Like, I was wearing. I think I had like nationals. I was rocking my corduroy jacket, and then on on St. John's, I had like my my like Olukai loafers and. <laughs> I had my jersey on over my bibs. Oh, dude, it was a mess, dude. It yeah. was, it was, I love it. Because it was like a million degrees out by the time that we went out to weigh in, but in the mornings it was freezing. Yeah. Um, but if, if I remember right, that that year it was a back to back, right? After St. Right John's, after we went to the went, Harris chain. I got my teeth kicked in. Yeah. It's how you got, did you say you got your teeth kicked in? Oh, yeah. It was a complete bed fishing tournament. Um, well, I want to say it was half, half, 
because the guy, yeah. uh, I think Buddy Gross won it and he won it offshore. Yeah. But yeah. Um, it was this was nuts. So I found, and this was a lesson I needed to learn, right? So bed fishing tournaments, again, I don't, California really rarely have a bed fishing tournament uh, where it lines up where you can actually, like, you know, go bed fish and let alone have, like, the clarity to do it in the in certain places. But it happens. I don't have a lot of, I didn't have a lot of experience doing it. So I started looking for bed fish on day one of practice. I go in the back of this little, this little slough that's about a 45 minute run away from takeoff. And I push pull back into this little thing. And I'm like five pounder, six pounder. I look up, I see a 10, like legit, legit 10, maybe even bigger. I'm being conservative by saying it was a 10. I had a swim bait with me. I flip over to it. She noses down, she eats it. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. And I just like shake her off. She spits it out seen the male the bucks like four pounds i'm like well that's 20 pounds 22 pounds literally in this one little slough i'm like i'm out of here Just leave no one saw me get in there no one saw me get out of there and it was like a place where you're like oh dude that's like a dead end mucked up canal there's no one like nothing's gonna be in there go on trying to find another t- pattern i was like i need to find a backup pattern started looking around wasn't really dial didn't really find good hydrilla until um third day of practice i found like a little patch of hydrilla that had some fish i got a couple bites in it i was like all right but in the back of my head i was so hung up on the 10 pounder that i was like oh bro there's a 10 on a bed over there like okay so i pulled the i pulled my boat off i trailer back to the nearest ramp and i put in went all the way back push pulled 15 minutes in to get to the spot i get in there and she's gone. Would that have been your PB? Yeah, it would have been my PB. This is a question I think I've asked you guys before. And I always ask people, you're pre-fishing for a tournament and you're bed fishing and you see your PB. Are you sticking it? And like, do you wish you would have stuck it now? I mean, in hindsight, yeah, because my buddy's like, dude, like, or I talked to a few people. They're like, bro, you find a fish on day one, you stick that sucker. <laughs> you know, I was going to say for me, yeah. it depends on the day, because if it yeah. you're talking there full three, four days before the first day of tournament, she's probably done and off there by the I time mean, you actually I mean, <clears throat> anyway. well, like I learned, I learned yeah. that, that during that tournament is in Florida, those big fish move up at night and they spawn at night on a full moon. They'll come up, they'll spawn at night, they'll drop their eggs and they're out. The, the bucks will push up late in the afternoon and they'll they'll be routing around and so you i had my backup place was just another little slough i went down it and caught like 18 pounds on a chatterbait they were all pissing they're all males i was like oh i'm gonna go in there like i was and i was like releasing a bunch of threes and i was like dude there's no way like i started shaking them i went in there i didn't get a single bite not a single bite I slowed down. I threw a, a, a wacky rig to really slow down, pick it apart. Two hours I spent in there. I'm like, dude, what the heck? And I went to go back down like another area that I had a couple fish um, on bed and they were all picked through with, a, with a, a couple random males that like they weren't much. They were like two pounds. And so I had to sit super far off of them. Everyone's already been through there, flip up there. I catch a couple, I leave. Um, and, uh, that was like my day one. I was so bummed. Cause I'm like, dude, like, 
I spent so much time mentally thinking about the 10 and what I was going to do after catching that fish versus really trying to like find good hydrilla and try to find a good offshore pattern. So that was a huge learning experience. I ended up coming second to last on the Harris chain. And then right after that event, like I'm literally trailing, putting my boat on the trailer and they're like, Hey Maddie, I'm like, what's up? They're like, you got, you got, uh, you got picked for the, um, polygraph polygraph. I'm like, I'm like, dude, I just came in second to last. <laughs> I'm like, and you're going to polygraph me. I'm like, that's okay. Cool. Like kudos to bass for doing it. You know, like I get it. Like you pick a, a hat, you know, uh, pick a number out of the hat and you, and you do it. But I was like already so defeated and so bummed. I'm like, dude, now I got to go and now someone's going to question my integrity on my second <laughs> tournament, you know, as a pro. And so, and a guy literally, I'm like putting my pole, my, he's like, yo, dude, like you got to go to a pop cut. And blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I told him, I'm like, bro, like, I appreciate it. I'm literally about to go to a polygraph test right now. And I can't receive any information from anyone. You're literally like, I'm, just by me hearing it, I'm getting anxiety. And so, like, and, and, and I felt like a, like a freaking dick for even saying yeah. like, yo dude, I, I can't, like, I, I appreciate it, but like, it's, it's like such a hard space to be in. Cause if people want to help you. Right. Yeah. But you're like, dude, I can't receive this information right now. And so I literally said that to the person that was giving the test. And I'm like, I literally had someone come up to me and just blurt out a whole bunch of crap beforehand. They're like, well, let's do the test and we'll go through it. And they're like, well, the first thing is kind of funny. Like they hook you up, everything, butt pad, like AKG, the whole, the whole nine finger tabs, everything. They're like, okay, write a four. And then when they ask you if we wrote, if you wrote a four, say no. And I'm like, write the four. Did you write a four? No. And they're like, they're like, they're like perfect. You're our perfect candidate. And so, <laughs> I'm like, dude, I can't lie. So I, I went through it, I passed it, and that that was that was my that was my Florida experience. And so from going <laughs> from like the top of the mountain to getting kicked in the nuts, um, yeah. literally back to back, I was like, okay, this is like what I'm in for. And that was uh, basically the foreshadowing for the next uh, the next basically two years of my life. Where right? it was like an incredible up and down emotional roller coaster. Uh, that you're on and sometimes you're strapped in and sometimes you're not and you don't know when it's going to hit you um and then there's times where you feel like you're on the best pattern you feel like you're going to like win a derby to losing every single fish that you hook um and it's it's an incredible mental test uh mm -hmm. of mental fortitude um and it's man it it, it, it a range of emotions from wanting to do this for, you know, definitely like a few more years to never wanting to step foot on a bass boat again. Yeah. Um, it's crazy that it, it can, it can do that, you know, to someone. Um, I quit fishing like six times this year, I think <laughs> I've totally understand. <laughs> so that, that you bring up a good point and he, he's not even lying. dude. No, I text Strand be like, I'm done. He's I'm done. selling everything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm selling it all. I'm going to sit on a milk crate and I'm just going to sell it all. Um, so through the, through that first, that, that first season though, you know, you came into a high spirits, a lot of energy, probably overwhelming, 
before, but before we get to the end, there there was a even bigger. I mean, your ultimate, your your first goal with the nations was the classic, right? Like the elites was yeah, the, the so pipe this, dream. This was the first time. This was the first time in my life that I ever fish back to back to back to back to back. I did five tournaments in a row. I also did the open, which was on Toho. Um, okay. because uh, with the Bass Nation, second place gets to fish free opens as much as they want. My oh. buddy, yeah, so my buddy, um, Taylor Smith, who got second, was like, dude, I'm about to have a kid. Their family was going through some stuff, and he's like, yo, dude, if you want to, like, take my spot, like, that's fine. And so I, I hit up John John Stewart, who was the, the, the main guy at Bass Nation at the time, and he's like, that's fine, you can do them. And so I opted into doing the, the opens and so it was toho right into st john's right into the harris chain then from there we had to shoot straight up i had a day off to go and fish um to, to start practice for uh the classic which was on um which was on hartwell hartwell yep um again never been there didn't understand that people f- put freaking milk drugs in cane and float brush piles in the middle of freaking 20 feet. Oh yeah. Um, I, you know, like just a bunch of stuff that I'd never seen before. Um, I've been used to, I've caught some spotted bass in the past. Um, but I was trying to figure out an area or like a zone that I felt like that felt like home. Um, in practice, I, I found a pattern, uh, flipping wood and I was catching four or five pounders. And I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm going to win a freaking classic right now. And um, I also wasn't being, I was, the conditions were changing so much. It was stormy. It was, I was literally practicing for the classic on my 33rd birthday and it was raining and miserable out. And I'm like, this is pretty cool. This is like a pretty neat birthday present. You know, (laughs) even though I spent it all alone, I was, you know, practicing for a classic, which I felt was like a, uh, a milestone i would have uh, much rather been practicing for the classic than wheeling all the stuff into the convention center in that rain like i was that day so <laughs> i don't mean to be rude but i, I don't yeah. feel for you on that one yeah, no, it's all, all good um yeah it was nuts though because like i wasn't really paying attention to my the bite windows mm-hmm. and what had happened was i started shaking fish after I stuck a couple and they were good, like really good. I'm like, I need to go and run this pattern. I ran the pattern. I was getting bit everywhere. And I'm like, all right, this is it. Like this is game on, uh, during the tournament, it wasn't raining and those fish had shrunk from three to five pounders down to literally pound and a half or so two pounders. It's amazing how that happens sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I quit so, fishing so was, much. But rolling into the classic, obviously it's it's different. You know, it's a three day event. Um, the worst place finish is fiftieth, right? Or give yeah. or take a couple people, probably a guaranteed ten thousand dollar check if I'm not mistaken. Was yeah. there a diff- was there a different level of pressure from a conventional elite series tournament to the classic? Well, I had just got off a nation win, right? I had just got off fishing a like three different tournaments back to back to back. So I was already kind of bar- like barraged by this. Like I was exhausted mentally and physically already going into that event because anyone who's ever pre-fished three days in a row and then fished a three-day tournament, 
know how exhausting that is. Now do that three three weeks in a row yeah. consecutive. Yeah. You're beat. Like my hands were cracking. Like it was it was a mess, you know. And so going into that, I was like, well, whatever happens, happens. Obviously, I want to <laughs> win, but you know, you're like, it's. It's not so, only that, but you're the clat like you qualified through the nation. So there's an added media demand for you because you you qualified yeah. not through the elites. You did it a different way to get there. So there's there's that pressure I can imagine too. Yeah, I mean it was a little bit of that. I think it was I was more happy for my buddy Taylor who who I beat at the nationals, but then ended up fishing and he did pretty good. He, he caught him really good. I think on day two and finished like in the top 15 or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, but, uh, cause he was going through some stuff. Um, like his wife had cancer at the time mm -hmm. and, um, you know, they had this really emotional moment on stage and, um, it was, I remember. yeah, it was pretty heavy. So it was, I was more so happy. Like, I was bummed on my performance, obviously. I mean, I also had an uncontrollable have I, I had my um, my quick nut on my trolling motor pop off and my I lost the prop on my on my trolling motor and I didn't have the right size um, socket to put it back on. Mm. Um, and so these random guys fishing on a whaler, they're like, well, shoot, we got a wrench set back at the truck. Like, you know, we'll, we'll go and grab it for you. And they went back went back 15 minutes, picked up the wrench set and came back and gave me the wrench. And I was able to power on the, my backup prop and then fish. Um, but it, it kind of like that kind of spun me out a little bit. Um, and I, it was just, it was, it was an interesting learning experience to, to say, you know, um, but it, for me, it was, it was the bucket list of just fishing the classic which was cool. And I didn't come in last place. So that was also like, yeah. <laughs> all right, fish the classic. And I done, I didn't come in dead last, but so the, the first morning, like blast off and everything, there's obviously a lot more pageantry hit the classic for all of oh, that. Yeah. Oh yeah. How was that a whole different level of like surrealism to say I'm fishing the Bassmaster classic? It was sick. I mean, cause I, with, with like playing music and stuff, like I've, I've played, big arena shows like I've, I've been in front of 10,000 people before on stage like playing the solo but like when I'm but when you're blasting off in a boat and like looking back and seeing like my parents were there like my parents wouldn't come to my shows you know it's <laughs> so like, <I> <laughs> like like to blast off and look back and see you know I think there was like six like six or seven thousand people there was a lot of people there yeah. you know and and to see that and to hear everyone like cheer and clap like that was that was a really cool cool like moment um and uh my girlfriend now and like it, she we were just like hanging out at the time she was there um so that was it also meant a lot too so it was it was cool to see a bunch of people from the west coast that showed up and um yeah it was it was a really neat it was a really neat experience, man. It was, that was special. But then as soon as you get going and you get on the gas, you know, you got to put all that behind you yep, um, yeah. and, and just kind of like, just mute out anything that's external and just focus at the, at your task at hand and what your plan is. So moving, moving from the classic, like you obviously fished, you know, I think, what was it? A couple more in the, in the South and then you moved up to the Northern swing, right? Mm -hmm. This is the year they went to South Dakota, right? Yeah, you yeah, guys went, went to, to what was it, Oahe? 
Yeah, we went to Lake Oahe. Yeah, and that was a nightmare too. Um, oh gosh, man, I like to try to block that out from my memory. Oh, well, that was like being on Mars, right? That's yeah. a nightmare for a lot of people. Yeah, I don't think a that lot was that was bad. I mean, one, a lot of companies didn't send, um, you know, any help. Yep. So if your boat broke down, you're just screwed. Um, I know I fried a chip on my Ranger. They had to overnight one. And then one of the other crew members, which I'm not supposed to disclose just because like they're only supposed to work on their individual their brand. Companies. Yeah. Like help me out. Um, and I was able to, to get the boat somewhat fixed, but it still had a whole bunch of bugs in it. And so I'm, my um my buddy rj with powerhouse lithium so huge shout out to powerhouse lithium rj and the crew over there but rj towed his boat three hours and met me halfway i i i drove and met him three hours you know and so we met right in the middle i picked up the boat i think it was 11 o'clock at night and turned around and was able to to, to pre-fish or to practice get because day two i basically i didn't get to practice at all day two like i it was it was shot day three of practice um i was able to get on the water with this boat and get used to like running his his phoenix um but by that time i was again spun out didn't know what the how far I can run. We were expected to have 30 to 40 mile per hour gusts, which you, like, again, you're running a new boat and you have to run 50 miles, 60 miles. You're like, bro, like, I don't even know like what, you know, and, and the, there's so much dead water there. And on top of that, I wasn't really dialed in with the whole forward facing deal. I didn't really know what small mouth do like in, con like in those conditions in the early morning versus like, I had an idea like, okay, they'll eat top. And then I'll like kind of like filter down, then I'll have to only get them on bottom. But I didn't know the certain areas that they would kind of hole up on. Um, and uh, but it was it was it was crazy, man. I learned a lot there. And I was surprised when I caught a limit and again, didn't come in last. I kind of I came in like out of 94, I came in like 80 something there. And I was like, wow, like I'm like, I. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how that happened. Like I was like, for sure in my head, I'm like, for sure I'm going to bomb. So like by that time I, it, it had showed me that, look, even when you think you had the absolute worst practice or your, your absolute worst tournament, there's still guys that are going to have worse days than you. Mm -hmm. And, and they can be also guys that are our household names. So it was, um, you know, it was it was crazy to kind of see that and also have that realization. And by that time, I think I had all I had let go of the whole like, oh, it's so and so. Like, I wonder if I can beat them. We we totally understand that. We're yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's it's it might be twenty twenty three, but we're talking across the world essentially here. You know what I mean? So, um, but anyways, you were talking about Oahe and and kind of running into those those boat issues and not having really any practice time, but still not finishing last dude. And you learned a whole bunch. Um, so I, I had a question though, about like, well, if you were, if you weren't finished with the Wahi, please finish. And then I, I want no, to I'm talk good. to you about like, that. Yeah, no, I'm fine there. So, so the first, just, just to kind of like recap the first year um, at the end of the season, uh, what was, what was going through your mind? Um, after that, that first season was over with. Um, definitely, it's not what people think it is. 
Like, I think my my expectation of what it was or what I thought it was versus the reality of what it is are two completely different worlds. Um, I think the, the amount of work and time on the water is something that you don't expect. Um, the lack of sleep and nutrition is probably another thing you don't expect. Um, the, the amount of hours on the road, I mean, the Oahe drive and then back was, that was dumb. It was like literally right after, <laughs> I forgot what event we went to after, uh, I think we went. Oh, you went to the Mississippi River. It was Mississippi to, uh, it was Oahe to Mississippi. But oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, that was insane. Man. It was absolutely insane. And you're, when you're, when you're driving through just like miles and miles of cornfields, you're just like, okay, this is brutal. <laughs> uh, but yeah, because yeah. you went to Oahe from the St. Lawrence. I just pulled the schedule up to check. <laughs> but, no, wait, from the where? Not the St. Lawrence. You went oh, St. Lawrence to Oahe and then Oahe to the Mississippi. Yeah, the, I think, yeah, because we went to, uh, yeah, the we went to St. Lawrence early there because it was, like, around the spawn, essentially, and then we doubled back, which in my head was such a, like, a dumb move on Bass's side because of like, why would you do that? <laughs> like, why would you do that to, to like go all absolute East coast and then to make us go back to the West coast and then go, you know, it was just like, it didn't make sense. Like it wasn't, I don't know that. Yeah. That schedule was whack in my opinion, but um Yeah. Yeah, no, it was it was it was a huge learning experience because it was like, man, I got to fish in different places. Like, I, I never fished in New York before, so that was new. You know, I never never even been to South Dakota before. Uh, so like to go to South Dakota and then also up to Wisconsin, um, and then it was cool because I got to stay with my buddy in Wisconsin. And that was rad. So yeah, man, Oahe, uh, crazy time. You you were talking about the drive. That's what you were saying. Like the drive was crazy. Yeah, no, it's not – I mean, any time where you got to do, like, I think – I mean, Hawaii from New York to Hawaii, I think it was, like, 15 hours, probably longer than that. I mean, I I try to block that whole drive out of my mind because it was so miserable. It's like, yeah. you know, when you do, like, 20-hour drives or, like, a 14-hour drive and you have to break it up, like, I don't – I have a rule for myself. I won't do more than, like, 11 hours in a day. Um, that's that's, it just, it starts getting dangerous at that point. I mean, even 10 hours, depending on like the situation. Um, and, uh, especially after a tournament, like even if I, three hours is okay. I mean, even, but it's, you drive a lot and that's something that yeah. I wasn't like, I, I knew it was going to be a thing. I didn't know how taxing it was going to be. Um, and all, all the things that come along with, with towing a boat. Uh, but I mean, you guys can look back. I spun out driving from California. Saw that in the snow, right? Yeah. I almost like didn't yep. even get to fish my tour or my first event because I almost totaled everything. But luckily, didn't have a single scratch. So, 
yeah. I, I had a I had a couple questions like you know that first year it's over with. Um, uh, the the first question I had is you're 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 done with season one. What's going on in your head at that point? Um, I was like, all right, well now I know kind of how to play. Like I thought I knew how to play the game a little bit better. Um, I knew what went into it when it came to the practice. Now I needed to understand, okay, I got to learn how to bed fish better. I got to learn how to use this active target or this forward facing sonar deal a little bit better. And I got to simplify. Okay. And, and that was the biggest thing because now when you have like before I had like a small, like I had this like, okay, whatever I can afford to get in my tackle box is what I'm going to be fishing. Now I got these companies like whatever you want, here you go. Just like, <laughs> you know, like dumping loads of tackle on you. Oh, here's the newest, you know, here's the newest bait with like 50 different colors and like 30 of them. You're like, I'm like, I don't even, okay, this might work. This might be a cool little way to catch them, you know? And so you like start going through baits that you've never fished in the scenarios where you're like, ah, I know that this other bait would probably work. And you're like, nah, that'd be too easy. I want to try and catch them on something unique or like, you know, do something different. But you're like, yeah. nah, bro, like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like if, right. it yeah. if they want to eat a freaking double willow, like spinner bait, like let them freaking choke it all day. So it's like, don't, don't, don't overcomplicate things. So that don't was, be, don't be that. stubborn. The, yeah. I, I was really, you know, I was stubborn because a lot of times I wanted to get bit on a big bait or, you know, or certain things. So I try to force a lot of bites. Um, it also worked out for me. I weighed the biggest bag of the tournament on Chickamauga, which was cool. Yeah. Uh, and that was all on a, on a big bait. So it was, it was, it was a good learning experience looking back on it. I, I was exhausted. I couldn't wait to get back home to Hawaii. And I was also excited to have a second crack at it. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that's kind of how I felt. What, what about the logistics side? Like, what are some of the things that you learned that you're like, dude, I have to do this next year. Uh, that's going to make my life easier, more streamlined. I was missing all this equipment maybe, or this is the kind of floor jack I need to carry with me. Like the logistic piece of and, it. And on the flip side, like what is something you did your first year that you, if there's any, like you swore you're never going to do like in, in, along those same lines. Not jack a 10 pounder of a bed. <laughs> on first day of practice um now i'd say having a good jack having a like having a solid jack having a good like manual torque wrench and then also an impact gun um is huge to have um also like any type of like air compressor that you can keep um i just use the roby ones they're like cheap and yeah. they're and they're pretty solid. It's it's got me out of a bind a few times. Um, simplifying your plastics, not carrying too many of the same thing. Why are you looking at me, Trey? Um, but sometimes you know, like because a lot half a lot of times you'll go down there with the intention of getting bit on something, and then you get bit on something you only have one pack of, and you're like, great. Yeah. So you got to go make a tackle a tackle order anyways. So yeah. I've learned to just kind of slim out your selection that you're bringing down, try to simplify the bite as much as you can. And then, um, and, and it also came with like the, the amount of rods too. 
So before yeah. I would rig up like 30 rods, 20 to 30 rods per event. And then now going into it, I'm like, ah, eh, those will just stay rigged. And then I will rig like 10 that I, that I'm like, I want to really see if this is the deal. And then most of the time, one or two of those is the deal. And then I'll dupe, I'll make, I'll double those up. So I have extras. Um, and then make sure I have backups of backups because you're not only fishing one day, you're fishing four. So you want to make sure that you're, you're, you're set across the board there. Um, <sighs> protein shakes. I did a do protein shakes first year. Um, the first year I did like PB and J's and like hard boiled eggs. And um, that was like my diet before when I do tournaments and I'm like, this is not going to fly anymore. Like I need to make sure I'm hydrated. So I started taking, um, biosteel so just like electrolyte mm-hmm. like additive basically um that along with uh just like this whey protein that i would just keep in the boat uh and in a shaker that was huge because the amount of fatigue that i was getting i'm like this what like i can't let this happen like this is just something <laughs> so, like this is a controllable that's so silly but then you know sometimes as fishermen and maybe I mean, a lot of you can probably relate to this is you just get in this, this tunnel vision where you you don't want to eat or drink anything. Exactly. Uh, And that's at least, that's kind of how I am where I, uh, I know a lot of guys on tour like that where they won't even drink water, but it's like, I try to, okay, I need to try to hydrate. I got to try to eat something. And even if I have to force myself, that's what I'm going to do. So that was another thing that a must that I didn't do first year that I was like, okay, I'm going to implement in my second year which then helped me tremendously throughout my second year. Um, and then also it's just simplifying, just overall simplifying, going back to the things that I had confidence in that worked before. And then also, um, also being open to learning new techniques and, and then putting in time, trying to practice those things. So in the off time, I put in a lot of time with the new Ford facing deal. I put in a lot of time with a bunch of different little techniques that I saw guys catch fish doing and um or or winning with and then from there just try to like hone in on those staples and and then from there how do you um so when do you when do you find the time to kind of work on those things because you 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 know you went back to hawaii after uh after the season you're going back to back a lot of times like your off days are you or because i assume you're not really doing it during practice but are like maybe because i mean you're traveling around practice right What's that? So practice is still practice. So it's yeah. like yeah. You're, you're still, but you're not like dedicating time to it. So what yeah. I would do is like you go jump on a lake that's similar to a lake that you're going to be fishing. So the way that, oh, let's say fork is going to be, you know, standing timber deal. I'm going to go jump on like a, a lake that has a lot of standing timber, like Ray Roberts or something like mm-hmm. that. And so finding similarities in other lakes that you can jump on and try to find those common grounds to practice that specific thing that you might be using. And and a lot of times it won't even be the deal when you get to the other lake. So you don't, Stetson Blaylock will say, don't waste your time practicing a lake, but Stetson's also been doing it for 25 years. And, and so he has experience everywhere. And I'm like, dude, I don't know how far it takes to run from point A to point B. So I'm going to go and practice that lake. And so that's what helped me a lot. My first year, I spent every single waking, t- like every break that I had, instead of going out and pre-fishing, 
I would go back home to Hawaii or California because I was so mm. exhausted and I didn't want it to be so far away from my, my boat and my truck. <laughs> Cause I just wanted to be with my friends and my family and my girlfriend. And I didn't want to have to like even worry about fishing. Now in retrospect, should I have stayed out on the road and grinded it out and put, put time in on new bodies of water and, or on practicing on bodies that are coming up 110%. And so that's what I told myself for year two. I'm not going to go back home. I'm not going to, I went back to Cali, I think twice the whole year. I didn't go back to Hawaii once because it was going to be too far of a run. And I knew I, I couldn't have my at least minimum of two and a half to three weeks of like break in time for me to like, feel like yeah. I get back in the group. So that was another thing that I was like, I'm going to bring into year two. And I think it paid off because was able to pre-fish St. Lawrence again. I marked a whole bunch of stuff there. And it's funny because I didn't fish any of it this tournament. Did you like check it out during practice? to yeah, see if yeah, there was yeah. any? Yeah, yeah. I went back to it uh, on an area that I had found a whole bunch of like beautiful rock and whatnot. Went back and it was just like there was a ton of like two and a half and three pounders. And I'm like, that's not going to help. And so like yeah. to move to move on, like anyone fun fishing, you'd be like, wait, dude, that's sweet. And I'm like, yeah, but when you got guys that are going to sack like 25 pound bags a day, like you got to move on from three to three and a half. So, like you just can't. That's everybody was talking crazy. Like they, some of the guys that had cameras on the St. Lawrence were throwing back three, you know, three pounders. Yep. And I had people like, what is he doing? And I'm like, three pounds isn't going to do it. Like he needs four plus. So there's no sense in risking that fish dying in his live well or something happening. Uh, because yeah. if it does, then he's stuck with that fish for the day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I still, I'm pretty firm. I mean, I'm grateful that I run a Triton with like the newer live wells because those things, I didn't have really any issues with like fish dying um, yep. this whole year. Um, so I always try to get a limit in the boat regardless yep. of the size um, and then just pray that I don't keep them for long. <laughs> yeah. Um, but <clears throat> so, uh, we didn't talk about this, but after that first year, when you, when you start looking back, what are some of those, um, how demanding were the sponsorship obligations during your season? Uh, well, I think it just depends on how you set it up. Right. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people that do bare minimum just to try to skate by. And then you have like, I was trying to definitely deliver on, on all on all cylinders as I could. And, and, it, and it becomes like, that's a whole separate part-time job that you have to factor right. in because there's so much time now that you're just dedicating to like trying to learn a fishery and then let alone, Oh wait, now I got to pump out X, Y, Z video. I'll balance a YouTube. And on top of that, put out weekly posts on, you know, and talk about this bait or this rigging style or this terminal tackle or et cetera. But so. you, but you, but you said Austin said you know I wouldn't even waste your time fishing the lake. But I feel like that's an opportunity where you can kind of get some of those obligations knocked out. Is when you're pre-fishing or maybe fishing yeah. a lake that's just like it, right? Yeah, um, it was Stetson. I don't want Austin. Or Stetson, I'm sorry. Yeah, but uh, um, it was uh, you know, it's something that yes, you are able to use that pre-fishing time to bang out a lot of content. Um, and then also you do have like, you know, you have companies that are like, let's set up a, let's set up a couple days. We'll throw a camera in the boat with you. Let's, you know, try and get some stuff. And so did that with, 
you know, numerous of the, the companies that I'm with uh, just to try to get these like lump sums of content grab and then they can just kind of like slowly trickle it out through, um, you know, the rest of the year. So uh, it was cool to, you know, I got a really cool shoot in with Sims. I was able to see uh, a life-size photo of myself in a Bass Pro <laughs> Shop wearing Sims gear, which was like pretty rad. You know, that was like also a really surreal moment because- Did you uh, get to keep it? Uh, no, because I didn't, I wasn't even there. Like I, oh. I, had a buddy, I, I had a buddy send me the photo. It was like the Bass Pro Shop in, um, in Springfield in Missouri. Ah, I'm so. going to go to every Bass Pro I pass on. If I see Maddie Wong life-size Sims, I'm stealing that. Don't say that. I'm going to acquire that joker. You can put it right next to her. Acquire that. I'm going to acquire it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we acquired uh, the Bassmaster Classic sign here from Knoxville this year. That's oh, no way. So well, I mean, it was in our booth, so yeah. you're welcome. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> acquired. <laughs> Yeah, it somehow it ended up in our trailer. I mean, he was going to the dumpster. I don't know. I don't know what happened. It fell into the trailer. No, that's that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was. It was magic. It's getting repurposed. Yeah. (laughs) So you get, you're getting your own boat. This you're not getting the borrowed Ranger, the lease. You you know, we know you're with Triton. You get to order a boat for your second year. You're you're more into getting everything you want on it, graph wise and things like that. so we know we know everything that goes in the rig and all that. I don't want to spend a ton of time. Um, we know your takeaways. You're going to go back to Florida to start the year, which is pretty much normal elite series schedule stuff. But it's mm-hmm. a different lake, you know, yep. Okeechobee. Uh, did you did you practice any similar Florida bodies, or you just went into that one? Uh, I mean, where did, where did I go? Did I fish headwaters for a couple of days? I forgot. I guess headwaters should be close. To me, Okeechobee uh, sets up different than a lot of the other Florida lakes. Yeah. Just, it's so shallow. Like, even the Harris Chain. Gets, and it's you know, shallow and big. Yeah. And yeah. round. And yeah, round. They're, they're, they're really different, man. And, and and it's funny because, like, each lake will fish differently, too. You know, even, I can't really talk about the chain, but, yeah. You know what I mean? They can, oh, just yeah. all, they can all fish differently. Uh Okeechobee was a trip for sure. I would say 90% of the field were all fishing within a hundred yards of each other. Yeah, yeah. I saw that on live. And uh, yeah, that's something you have to like get over and just do, which is not fun. <laughs> I was going to ask you, do you, do you like that? I know me. I don't like being next to anybody when I'm out. I, I yeah. I mean, Champlain this past, the past couple Champlain, I literally was like telling Mark Frazier that do there's fish off your freaking prop. And I like pitch over to his prop <laughs> and catch one. Um, and so like it was it was nuts. We were all like it was everyone in the top ten, with the exception of like Robertson. I think we were all within two hundred yards of each other. Damn. Uh, so it was like me, Kyoya, um Huff, um Jay Shikarit, um, Alex Redwine. We were all like super, super close. So it was, it was nuts. I, I've gotten over that whole like fishing in the crowd thing. I mean, I was definitely, I don't like to, I don't want to fish around people. I want to have my own stuff to myself, but like if there's a giant school of smallmouth, then I mean, it, that's it. Giant, giant that's school it. of smallmouth. So. And you know, it, it's interesting, but Okeechobee, besides the, you know, you're fishing that close, like you're fishing the same boat lanes, like you're going down on that. To me, it seems a little bit different. Like the same yeah. thing happens at like ledge fishing tournaments, right? Everyone gets out there and everything like yeah. 
hundred yards of each other. But I, to me, that's a little different mindset than like going down the same boat line as a hundred other people. And, yeah, you know, fishing the same grass patch, you know. But that's the thing that's difficult too, because right, you're gonna flip the same hydrilla mat that the guy just flipped like five minutes before you, and so you're kind of watching who hit what. And then you want to set a timer mentally on like which which spot got to rest long enough. Um, so it was it was interesting. I lost a couple of fish during the Okeechobee event that I think I would have been in the um, in the cut with. Um, yeah. It is what it is. I, I think the it, first two were were a little rough, right? You were you were eighty like eighty six and eighty eight or something like that. The yeah, first something, two, uh, something like that. It was was the Okeechobee was the first one. Didn't do and so then hot. Seminole. Seminole. Seminole was another one where I thought I was on like great fish. Um, found the same area and the same pattern that Joey won on, but I didn't want to be scoping in, in trees um, just because of every single time. If you weren't paying attention, you literally blow, like crack your trolling motor on a stump and like, and then get high sided with, you know, your, your stern sticking out of the water and then you have to like try to like shimmy around and push pull off of a stump just to like step back <laughs> yeah. it was a nightmare um but yeah i that was a trippy one too because i i i found a deep water bite i found a shallow water bite but then there i found like these like expanse grass flats that you would just have to fish through um and it was a trip that place was pretty wild man like looking back on it i would have probably now i would have definitely kind of uh, approached it a little differently um but again it's my first time there yeah yeah it's what you you learn after you've made the mistake so yeah well these first two years there was a lot of first times on a lot of bodies of water wasn't there oh yeah because you went to murray after that and you had probably never fished it right so murray i made sure before last year so the schedule came out um the, the, the Santee I'd fished the first year or two. Yeah. That place, I came in dead last on Santee Cooper. Um, and so didn't do that hot there again this year. And it sucked because like the first year, I'm trying to remember what, what went on or like where I think it, it's like when I have a horrible event, I try to learn from it and then I just like put it behind me and I like, literally try to forget about it. Um, um yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think that Santee event, I think it was like during practice, they were like still spawning on the upper end. But they were still spawn. Yeah. So they were spawning the first year. Yeah. The, so I think, I think what I remember. Oh, yeah. A lot, a lot of guys were saying like wow. they were spawning hard on the top end. You can't see them because of the visibility. Yeah. And, but by tournament day, it was just bucks basically left and all the females went off and that's when they that wasn't the first year because that was when drew cook put on the site fishing clinic on yeah drew Drew cook busted everyone's butt it was i mean both of them ended up being like oh this past year well they were both bed fishing tournaments um the the first one oh i mean like it wasn't really like when when Luke won it this year, he wasn't. I think it was like a staging place, but I think it was yeah. there most of like post spawn fish. Um, but there was a lot of fish still on beds this year. Last year was completely all bed fishing deal. Um, Cook won it, I think, like flipping through like a certain area, um, and oh, it was, yeah. yeah, it was absolutely insane. That's when I when I was like, okay, I need to learn how to just put the trolling motor in high and just look 
and try to mark as many as I could. Um, because I, this year I pulled a plug on my plan, which was like a grass pattern. And I pulled a plug just and went bed fishing and I was able to actually catch some. And I was mm -hmm. pissed that I didn't do it earlier because it was already too late by the time I started doing it. I got you. Yeah, that was, uh, I, I was already very confident and a pretty good bed fisherman, sight fisherman, but I learned so much from Drew on that tournament. Like, just the the stuff he was talking about was next level. And it, it really, like you said, it's tough when you don't do it a lot to try to go in against guys like him. And, you know, Bernie is another guy that is, is well known for sight fishing and stuff like They're that. Savage, bro. It's insane. Like, they can look at a, at a fish, take one flip, and be like, nah, she's not going to eat. Same thing with, like, Cox. You know, he'll flip in there and be like, oh, she'll eat. It won't, she may not eat the first half an hour, but I can get her to go. And then, like, yeah. Yeah, it's nuts. Like even like the Johnsons are stupid good at bed fishing. Um, I mean, there's a lot of people that are really really good at it, um, but the, they're not like known for it. You know, it's like yeah. yeah. <clears throat> then Lay Lake, which would have been first time for you and a lot of folks because they hadn't fished there in a long time. That lake sucks. <laughs> yeah, I like it. No. Then the Sabine. No, I mean, like, I'm sorry if Lay Lake's your home lake or. Oh, whatnot. it's not my home lake. It's not. I know it's not your, but like anyone that's <laughs> listening. But I mean, I think the, the way we let, let me rephrase that it doesn't suck. It's just the time we were there sucked. So it was yeah. more so as a decision again on bass that we were in there and like during a horrible, horrible time of the year. And so. Yeah, it was a very odd time to now, go. Now, the yeah. place that does suck, which you, you're not going to agree with this, is the Sabine River. I, I love the Sabine. Sabine. Oh, oh. The Sabine is brutal. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, that third place finish. But you did well. I mean, you yeah, yeah. And I think I think we did talk a lot about this last time off air, because um, I'm now I'm remembering our conversation all. But it's a grind, man. And yeah, I, I don't like yeah. using that term because I think it's overused. But for sure, a, that's the definition of a grind tournament where you, you have you to kind of find that area and just cover it, dude. I I learned a lot. I learned so much. Uh, from your your YouTube series, especially on the Sabine, and and how much you would fish the same stretch with the same bait or rotate baits, but catching fish consistently in like a twenty five meter stretch or twenty five yard, whatever fifty yard stretch. But it was amazing to me how they would just reload or they would be there the whole time. Um, mm -hmm. That was really cool to see. And unlike these guys, I really do like the Sabine because <laughs> um, I'm not there and I'm not burning alive in Orange, Texas, and I'm watching all you guys struggle. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, but it's a cool it's a cool event, man, because it really is anybody's game. If you get on like it's kind of like in the smallmouth deal, like you, you find the, you know, four and three quarter pounders versus the four and a half pounders versus the same fish on the Sabine. It's kind of the same deal, but not as fun. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's, it's kind of wild when you stick like a two pound bass and you're running around the boat, like, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> giant, yeah. yeah, giant, giant, giant. And then like when I stuck like a third, like I, what day two, I call like two, three and a half or something like that. Like I was like, yeah. I was like, Oh my God, they're eights. Like in my head, I was like, dude, this is like what? an eight. <laughs> what, what was that? What were you fishing under? Was that at like a, was that a, a ship? It looked like a ship. What was that thing you were fishing under giant overhang? It looked like. Yeah, so that was a barge. A barge, uh, that's what yeah, it was. Yeah, it was yeah. a barge. It was an old barge harbor, essentially, uh, where they would yeah. come in, dock their boat, uh, dock the barges, repair them, and then send them out. Um, yeah. But then it all got flattened during Katrina. So you you see 
like a bunch of ruins down there. It's pretty sad. You know, you'll see like a lot of like great property and whatnot. That's just completely flattened or just, it looks like it's war torn. Um, yeah. But yeah, Sabine was wild, man. Cause again, you can run two and a half hours in each direction and still be on tournament waters. So it was, a uh, that was another big learning experience. Orange, Texas, the people were friendly. It was kind of ghetto. What I mean, kind of ghetto, like, bro, that place is super ghetto. <laughs> like, it wasn't just like a little bit. Definitely stay strapped. It was strapped a lot there. of it. <laughs> stay strapped. <laughs> stay um, strapped. Get clapped. Oh, as the kids but, say. So, yeah. so after, then you went to St. Clair. Well, hang on. Detroit. Let's go. So did did Sabine? Because I mean, that was your that was your best finish for the the twenty twenty three season, correct? Up until that, was, that point, that was my best finish ever. Like for on the elites right there you go best finish ever like i don't know if you had your head hung low like after that first season and and into the second season but sabine did sabine do anything for you like like mentally and emotionally after the fact yeah for sure i mean learn you learn a lot about your limits and you you also learn a lot about what you can and cannot accomplish and then there's times that you doubt yourself but until you can conquer that, that's when you can actually feel the relief of, oh, man, I can actually do that. Or it wasn't as hard as I thought it was. Or when it starts to flow and things happen, then almost nothing can get in that way of it happening. And so that's what that taught me on the Sabine, where I had not top 10 one. I gotten really close a few times. But then to finally sneak into that top 10, and the analogy is right, breaking the glass went like ceiling to get in there um that's it gave me the confidence to know that like oh yeah okay i can do it for sure right and i was yeah, as close yeah, yeah. like I, in my head i was one fish away from winning it too you were mm-hmm. you so were I, I i that's the closest that i've also been to having a blue trophy so i'm like all right i can do it for sure i can get yeah. one of these things and, and then like and then we you know it's sabine and we had our podcast. So I know we were all like the next event, Champagne. Right? Champagne. No, they went to St. Clair. St. Clair, right? So you went from one ghetto to another. <laughs> it's, Detroit. <laughs> it's Detroit, oh, man. Come on. Come on man. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. St. Clair, St. Clair is nice. Like it wasn't yeah. as like hood as, you know, Detroit. You yeah. know, you're still up. You're up the way yeah. a bit from Detroit. I've I mean, spent a still- lot of time on St. Clair. I've, I've fished up there a ton. That place yeah. is cool, man. I mean, yeah. it's wild. That's like a no other fishery I've ever fished. Where you I can tell be everybody that ten miles out in the middle of a freaking lake and it's fifteen foot deep. Yeah, it's crazy. You don't see land around you, and you're like, wait, why is it only fifteen feet right here? Yeah, <laughs> it's you're, uh, you're looking around for sharks and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and you feel like you're in the ocean, and you're like drop shotting for smallmouth, and then a, a six foot sturgeon does yeah. a, like a barrel roll. <laughs> Uh, you're like, yeah. Well, yeah, it's a wild, it's a wild fishery. It's it's my favorite fishery. It, it's it's on my bucket list for sure. But uh, you know, we, we were we were paying really close attention, either watching or on bash track all the time. And you like you had a good day one, if I remember, good day two, if I remember, and then day three. That was champ. So we we talked to you after St. Clair, which St. Yeah, Clair was a little oh, rough. I think yeah. you were 74th or something like that. Okay, so I'm That's off on sick. one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all right together. Was, yeah, I, I baby checked St. Clair. Um, yeah. Yep. Baby check. Baby check. Twenty five hundred. I got you. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 all the guys are called baby check. <laughs> oh yeah, you baby check. Baby check. <laughs> yeah. um, and then you went to Champlain, which you had a really good day one, a good day, day two. two. 
and that then day three was the one that got me because I was I couldn't relocate the fish. I was in my head about some of the guys that had showed up. Well, even that was day two a little bit too. Um, and you and lost I, some some fish day three, I, correct? Some good I lost fish. a lot of good fish on day three that costed me the top ten. I I would have had twenty. I would have twenty and some change, or at least. Um, and just by, and it was just it was one of those deals where you know you 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 can be on the right fish, you can be on the right pattern, and then just doesn't happen. And so it's fishing. It's fishing, man. And so I just had to kind of let that go. The fact that I was able to check, I was like, all right, at least I cashed a check. At least I'm not completely out of it now. Like it wasn't like a complete like, all right, St. Lawrence is like, like this is just going to be some like loser lap. You know, I was like, well, I still have a shot. It's a long shot, but there's still a chance, you know, so you're saying there's a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. chance. (laughs) And that's, and you answered the question I was going to ask going off that because I was like, how, how did you approach that, especially because you were on the fish and, it, you know, things happen and it didn't work and, you you know, but it sounds like you carried, you kind of let that go and just went into uh, the St. Lawrence focused on. Did you that. know where you needed to finish at St. Lawrence, like going into it? We did. We definitely. Uh, we we <laughs> sort of like self calculated and then they confirmed really? it on bass live yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we were group chat and i'm like he needs to be i know he needs to be above 20 like yeah and then yeah. mercer the first morning was like matt he needs to be above 18 and and he he'll requalify. so that's crazy because i don't even like i i tried not to think about it too much like you're I just knew, like i'm gonna go out and win this thing like i'm like i i'm like okay let's just have fun this place has them we only have two days to figure them out um, instead of three, right? Oh, so that's right, because it changed the way, yep. So that was, like, really stressful. So I went and made the my my run on day one. I caught some fish. Like, I, I didn't actually have my first fish in the boat and, until, like, 10.45. Um, and I caught that first fish. It was, like, a three-and-a-half-pounder and, like, 35 feet of water. I was like, okay, they're deep. Went another hour and a half, caught a four, went another hour, caught a three, you know, and I'm like, oh man, like they're not grouped up. They're not, you know, I'm like, oh gee, roll over. I find this like isolated big boulder, cast over there, catch a five. I'm like, damn it. Like I start like kicking myself. <laughs> like, like, like I've seen two on on the boulder and I, 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 I'm like, man, they go down like, like ding. I'm like, uh, and as soon as I set the hook on it, I was like, "Frick!" I was so pissed. <laughs> like as soon as I, as soon as I stuck it, I knew. I was yeah. like, "Oh, this is a giant! Damn it!" It comes up. It's a five. I was like, "Frick!" Dump it. The other one's still there. I'm like, "Okay." And I go down, find a little rock pile. Had like, I catch a three, catch a three and a half, and then I catch a two or something like that. I'm like, "Oh, there's fish here!" And I, I see a whole bunch of others. I'm like, "Okay, they're around here." Try to bump up a little bit more. Didn't see much. I'm like, all right. So I had like 17, maybe 18 pounds. They want to practice. Day two, I'm like, well, I got to find a backup in case that just goes to crap. And so my my whole thing was I'm going to dedicate time in the river. Uh, I caught one four-pounder and a two-pounder on day two of practice. Mm. 
So I was like, well, that was fun fishing the whole elites thing. You know? <laughs> My eggs are now all in one basket. Yeah. I'm just like, well, I mean, I got one spot to go and hit. And I mean, it wasn't one spot. It was like a series of spots, but it was like, I got one area that I'm going to focus in on and that's it. And however it plays out, will play out. And, uh, hold on before day one starts though, day yeah. one blast off. Were you mentally preparing to walk away from the elites? Oh, yeah. Oh, I was mentally preparing that before uh, St. Clair. Really? Oh, dude, it was like I just so. Did you start like lining up job interviews? <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I'm, I've, I've already been in the process of getting a fishing show going. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, he's getting his uh, TV show. So, shows. I, I, I want, you know, that's still my goal. Sure. And that's something that I ultimately want to do. So, that's still brewing. Um, it, what was I okay with it? Was I at like this piece with it? I had to, I mean, because again, you can't control your destiny. Right. <laughs> you know, you, you know, you can't, you, as much as, as much practice and time and effort you can put into something, you're still at the mercy of God and of the sport. Yep. And so, However, it's like I, I really kind of let go of everything and not really focus too much on how I needed to finish out or whatever um, until day one happened. And then I was like, <laughs> oh, we're still in this thing. And that's what I did. <laughs> Let's do it. That's when I got like, okay. But it was nuts because, yeah, I was, you know, I'm blast off. I'm like, well, I honestly don't know how today's going to go. I can either fall straight on my face or I can maybe have 19 pounds. She was rough that day. She was blowing um, 25 with 30 mile per hour gusts sustained. Um, I saw, I would say six, maybe there was a couple close to eight. Um, other guys would have called them tens. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I saw what normally takes 35 minutes, took an hour and 15. Um, and so... I, I made the run. I made, I timed it, made the run. Um, and when I got into my first spot, there was four footers and this is a protected area. Wow. And I'm like, <laughs> and with like backwash, it was a mess, dude. Like, uh, I, I'm actually really excited to share. Um, I'm, I have one more day of Champlain that I got to edit and then I'm going to work on this, the, the St. Lawrence one. Yeah. But yeah. day one. And I don't, it kills me because I, I was I mean I was trying to focus so I didn't grab footage of the of traversing the big stuff, um, but uh, I mean I got a small clip so everyone kind of has like a, a small idea of what it was like, but it was um it was pretty nuts the amount of like wash that would come over the front deck of the boat and uh, how difficult it is to try to fish in those kind of conditions. But I lost my first fish, like I actually broke it off of the boat. It wasn't a big one. I was like, man, I hope this isn't like how the rest of this day is going to go. <laughs> <laughs> Especially after like my day three. I was yeah, you start having flashbacks. To you know, like, so that's day day like, oh, crap. So I'm going to go to my, my next spot, which is a little bit further of a run in the beginning of my series of runs that I, or my series of um, my little milk run that I figured out. And I catch a three and I was like, all right, like not what you need to win, but like, a fish, you know, and I catch another one. I'm like, all right, I got three fish in the boat, you know, like they're three fish for seven pounds, but whatever, <laughs> you know, so right on the next spot, 
is that my boulder fire over to it like high four pounder like it actually eats it i i set the hook i fought it for a second and she comes off and i just like mm. free spooled it again and she was still pissed and she just swam down ate it again and got that one that one was like yeah it was like a high four or something like that and um so i was like okay all right like what's Something's telling me to bump out and fish this little, like, other little spot. So I bumped out and fished this other spot, caught a three and a half. I was like, all right, cool. Let's go check in on, on my, like, my other little rock pile that I had with, like, a lot more fish around. Start fishing it and catch another three and a half. And I'm like, all right, I got, like, 17 pounds. I'm like, this is already doing better than I thought it was. Like, all right, mm -hmm. like, I got a limit. Like, I'm stoked. Far out is, like, an 80-foot cast. I see a giant just like suspended up high with like two others around it. I fire over to it. I stick it. I get like a couple cranks on it and, and it goes rocketing out of the sky and it's my PB. It's a six and a quarter. Oh, wow. And I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. It's <laughs> 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 like freaking out, you know? And like I get it close to the boat and I get to see it. I'm like, dude, this is a freaking mag. And in my head, I'm like, Oh, it's like a, it's like a, a solid five, you know, but like when they, up, when you fish there, it's like a five and a six. They're, it's, they're, they're close, you know? Yeah. But when it got real close, like a foot under the water and I got my hand underneath it and actually scooped it into the boat, I was like, Oh dude, this is a giant. <laughs> I threw it on the scale and I was like, Oh bro, like, let's go. Like that one fish I knew I'm like, all right, like I got, I got like 21 pounds or something like that. I'm like, this is sweet. Like, like I called out like a one pound, like it was like a two pounder or something. I called with it. And, um, and, uh, and then I catch another, like I catch like another high five, one, like just shy of six off the same pile. And I'm like, dude, what the heck? Like I, I only <laughs> caught like threes and threes and a half. Like this is insane. And I'm like, okay, like I got like 23 and a half pounds or something like that. I'm just going to go fun fish. I need to go expand on this area. I don't want to beat this stuff up too much. So I left those fish and I just kept going and um, managed to catch another five. And um, I mean, however it shakes out, I don't want to give away all the details because you guys can right. see it on my YouTube. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to watch it. We're going to watch it for sure. Um, but then, yeah, call up and I think I weighed 25, 10 on day one sitting in sixth place tied with Kyle Welsher. And I was like, Oh dang. Like, all right. Like we in this. And I knew that, I don't know. I'm like, okay, well maybe that, maybe they'll still be like, I know now. Okay. For sure. This is my area. I'm not going to stop short of it where I did. And I lost a fish. I'm like, I'm just going to go straight to my area. I'm going to let my, my first, the others, like I, it was actually my second spot on my milk run rest for an entire day. And I went straight to my spot where one, I had the big boulder and the other one where I had, um, it was like a, a rock pile with all those fish. And I caught the six on, I go through, you know, start picking them up. Um, and day two managed to scrape together. I think it was like 19 something uh it was like high 19 it was like 1910 or I, I forgot exactly what it was um it could have been 20 i don't know yeah but but, but you yeah, yeah it was 19 something i believe 
that that fascinates me managing your areas and fish because like obviously day two you knew it wasn't as good as your day one and you avoided some spots so there, was there any temptation to deviate uh, from your plan to go over to well uh, no because i i'd only caught like a like a couple like a couple threes and a four there oh, so okay. Like it wasn't. I I went back to the area where there was like the sixes, right? Or the the, the oh, okay, yeah, 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 like the six yeah. and the five and So I, I was like, I'm gonna let that other area sit and rest, and I'm not gonna even mess with it. I didn't even see any other boats near it, so I knew that I had this spot all to myself. Um, and the great thing is, I didn't have anyone else really in my area. I I saw um, Brian Schmidt, um, but then he only had like 18 pounds day one. Um, so I was like, all right, at least I, I know I'm on, on a better class of fish, even though he's kind of close to me. And then I didn't see him for the rest of the day. Um, and then I knew day three, I was like, well, I might have to go fish new water because I'm, I think I'm out. Like I, after having that bag on day two, I was like, this wasn't another 25 pound bag, you know, like I, yeah, I saw some other fish, but like I might have to go and expand be, uh, even more because uh, this 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 area might be out. Um, before the cutoff, um, Johnny's like, dude, I'm not going to make the cut, um, but I have some fish here. <coughs> Excuse me. Nice. And uh, uh, and so rules with bass as long as you it within with amongst competitors as long you can share a spot um as long as there isn't been an official cut has been made and so i got the stuff i was like okay cool um and it was funny because it was a spot that i had found too but i did it i was catching tiny fish off of it during practice and i guess he came in there and i think bigger fish moved in but not giants they were all three and a half and fours and i'm like okay well plan b if i really need to i'll go and hit that I get a call from Steve Bowman at like, I think six o'clock at night. And he's like, Hey man, um, I'm bummed that you won't be with me on live mix tomorrow, but I'm, I'm way happier that you're fishing for your career. Uh, you have to beat five guys tomorrow to stay on the elites. And that was like a conversation that I, I don't think I'll ever forget because I was like, well, I was trying to not get all stressed out about <laughs> the situation and like add unnecessary pressure. Um, but now I actually have a number in my head of the amount of people that I have to beat to stay on the elites. And um, he's like, you need to move up five spots. You're in 19th place. You have to finish in 14th to stay on. I'm like, all right. But, so in my head, I'm like, I got to bust a bag. I can't just like catch another like 19 pounds because that's not going to cut it. Everyone's everyone bring, bringing in 19 pounds. So I'm like, all right, whatever it is, what it is. So day three, as I'm heading out, I think that's when it got really emotional for me. Um, and that's when everything really like kind of like sank in because I realized at that point, this might be my last day as a professional, like a professional angler on the elite tour. I'm like, this might be my last day competing. This might be my last blast off. Like, I'm just going to enjoy it. And I got the same amount of emotions that I did during the final day fishing on the Wachita River for the Bass Nation Championship than I did for just trying to requalify on the last tournament, like on the semifinal Saturday on the St. Lawrence. And uh, 
basically almost brought me to tears during blast off when you know mercer announced the name and everything and, and we started heading out and uh it was nuts man i had this like overwhelming like it was like a flap jacket of weight um of of pressure and weight and, and all this stuff i'm like man like i'm not a super religious person i do have faith and i also have like a set of morals and values that i follow but i said a prayer that morning and I said, you know what, like, God, if this is your, if this is your will and this is what you want me to do, and it's your intention for me to go fish the elites for one more year, like it's going to happen. And if it's not, I know you got something better for me. So it is what it is. And then I like, I also like my, my buddy, Jesse, who passed, I was like, yo, Jesse, you got my back today. All right. Amen. Let's go. And so like, I had this like, wait, like come like come off my shoulders like as soon as i finished that like i had this huge weight just like lift off of me and i'm like oh whatever happens today happens and let's just go, go have fun you know and I, it was such a like it was it was such an important moment um for me because i was like all right you know and i had a 16 year old marshall with me so i had this wow. little kid that was like looking up and like seeing like, you know, I want to fish the elite someday. And I'm like, yeah, but guess what? You might be in my shoes and your whole dream is just going to get crushed. You know, like, <laughs> it was like, you get like the whole, the whole spectrum. So it's like, he's, you know, I'm like, yo, like help me film. He's like, okay. And so like, you'll see a lot of the footage is like him, like filming. Yeah. Um, and he gets a bunch of good, good shots. But anyways, we go out, I get that, that big relief um, on the way out. And uh, I roll into the spot that I let rest. Fire over there, first fish was a three and a half. Fire over there, next fish was a four and a quarter. And I was like, all right. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to beat on them too much. I try to look around some more and they, they're gone. I was like, all right, we're out. Pull the shoulder motor, left. It was like a quick half an hour stop. I was like, sweet, we got two good fish in the way. Went over to my 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 big rock, hit the big rock reloaded. I cast it over to it. Went down. They left. I was like, dang it. Like I was like, I'm like, I don't know if it was that one fish that I pricked from a couple days ago. He came back, he's like, nah, I know that has it on. I'm not <laughs> but he left. I went uh, kind of expanded on that area a little bit and ended up catching like another three or something and then my plan my head was to fish till about 11 try to get about nine uh 19 20 pounds and then go move to the stuff that johnny and i shared and i'm like well, let's just see so i start going down i hit that i hit the rock pile with all with the sixes right i managed to catch a four and then another 100 yards down i catch a five and I was like, oh, okay, maybe right. there's still maybe there's still some fish here. Go down another way, catch another four and a half. And I was like, okay, shoot. Like, you know what? Maybe I won't leave. And I think that was like the best decision because I stayed another half like I stayed until I think it was one. Yeah, it was one o'clock. My plan was to stay until eleven, but I'm like, I'm gonna let the fish di di dictate this day and the bite dictate the day and i stayed till about one i managed to catch another four and so i had i had like uh, i had a five 
two like high fours, um, a high three, and then another like four and a quarter or something like that. So on on my scale, it said 21, 21 and a half. And I was like, well, it's better than yesterday. They're That's still right, around. Yeah. And I'm like, I know I need to like call up some. Like I don't like this might be enough to move up like maybe four, three spots just based on the average. And uh, so I'm like, hey, we're going to go hit that one spot. I was telling you about my plan B. He's like, all right, cool. So he starts like coming down and I get my snowboard goggles out. And so I got my snowboard goggles out. We're like running through like giant freaking droplets of rain. And uh, this kid's like from St. Lawrence. So he's like, dude, I'm, I've seen some crazy stuff. I'm like, I bet you have in your little 16, like span of like 16 years. Like they have like gnarly, gnarly storms up there. And, uh, and it was nuts because I'm, I'm heading to this spot. It's a long run. It's probably like 20 minutes from where I'm at. And I'm, I'm heading over there. And there's a shoal that I saw, I see on my map. And I'm like, I'm like coming up on it. And there's something that just tells me a hey, stop in on this shoal. And like, it was in the middle of the, like, it was in the middle of nowhere. And it was like about halfway to the, the, the spot I wanted to actually go to. And I'm like, I got to, got to listen to those. And so I literally came off, came off of it, put the boat down, trolling motor up, started looking around within five minutes. I see two bigs cast over it. It swims down, eats it, set the hook. It's like a four and a half. And it's, I'm like freaking out. I'm like, I need to get this fish in the boat. And I, I scoop it, get it in the boat. And I was able to call that high three. And so now on my scale, it said like 22 and some change. And so like in my head, I was like, okay, I know Bass's scales were a little heavy at the time. And I'm like, all right, like, I think I'll have about 23 pounds. Like, I think that should be enough but we're going to keep going for it. You know, we're going to keep grinding. Yeah. At this time it was 155. And I had to start heading back at 215 to make it back in time. I start looking around some more. Um, and at two o'clock, my trolley motor just goes click, click. Completely dead. Dead? Dead. Dead, dead. <laughs> I had not killed those trolling motor batteries once all season. I run two 36 volt, 40 amp hour powerhouse lithium batteries. I never killed those things. Come to find out later that the outlet that I was plugging into the night before was not working. Huh? No, there's also twinkly lights that was also plugged into this. And this is what my girlfriend calls them is the twinkly, twinkly lights. Twinkly lights. <laughs> She's like, oh, babe, there's twinkly lights. And I'm like, yeah, there's twinkly lights. She's like, okay. Like, so she goes to, you know, close up shop at the end of the night. I'm in the shower. She shuts turns, the twinkly lights off. She turns off the twinkly mm. lights, also turning off the charge of my boat. And I'm like, babe, you almost costed me my career. Twinkly lights killed your dreams. <laughs> yeah. I was like literally this close. And it's Talk so about- funny how it's like sometimes like you, you can think you can control everything, but you know, just someone that's just like, oh, like harmless is like, I'm going to just turn off the lights outside. <laughs> so like, yeah, that little tip and trick, uh, make sure you're always on an independent 
outlet outside that does not coincide with any switches that are nearby in in height of children or um, your significant others. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you're gonna and, carry uh, outlet tester next year and stick it in. And I always every carry. I, I carry the cords that light up when you plug them in. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, so. I do the same. But this was but, like outside when you go inside. You know, so you're yeah. You were done for the night. But, but talk about everything lining up. And, and just that, that last event. You had just enough juice to get that last four. Literally just enough juice to get to that last fish. And um, I I pulled the trolling motor. I put my jacket on. And I picked up my drop shot rod. And I fire over my big motor. And I just start idling. And my, <laughs> and my marshal's like on Snapchat. He's not supposed to be on Snapchat. He was just like Snapchatting. Like, oh, look, look, look what my pro's doing. And I'm just like, oh, my, oh there's one. Like, ping. And uh, literally off the big motor and just using my 2D in the back yeah. um, and drop it on them. I uh, I got two bites. I, I They actually broke off because of the amount of quagga that are over there. And I think I had too much scope that was out. Um, but I, I had what I needed. Um, was able to get back in time. And um, it was still emotional for me because I didn't know, you know, if I, I had enough. Um, and it's kind of funny that I had mentioned Greg De Palma in, in the beginning of our the podcast today, um, and he, he's grown to be like one of my my good friends on tour. And he goes, "Yo, dude, like, how much do you have?" And I'm like, "I I think I have like twenty. Like on my scale, it's at twenty like twenty two fourteen." And he's like, "Dude, I'll dump my fish right now if that means like you're gonna stay in next year because wow. we, wow. we were so close oh, in, wow. in AOI, you know." He's like, dude, like, cause I needed to move up, and he he would have been one of the guys that I needed to beat, to you know, to solidify my space. And I was like, how much do you have? He's like, I don't know, like maybe like like twenty pounds. I'm like, what'd you have yesterday? And we did the calculations, and I in my head I was like, oh yeah, no, I got you by like two pounds. And he's like, dude, I'll go, like I'll dump him right. I'm like, nah, dude, you're good. I think I like I think I got you. And then like Brandon Polinick was right na- there, and then like and John Kelly was there. He's like. Wait, what, how much? And they were all doing the math. They're like, no, no, I think you're good. <laughs> so I was like, okay, yeah, Greg, don't dump fish. Don't dump. <laughs> and so Greg actually said it on stage. He's like, yo, dude, like, I would, I would have dumped my fish for Maddie Wong. It's down to her. And so it was, it was, it meant a lot to me. I didn't actually, I didn't hear him say that. And then someone actually coming around and told me later that that he actually said it on stage. I was like, that was, that was like the most realest thing that someone could have done. Yeah as like part of this, this, this like fraternity, if you will, yeah. of like you, you develop certain bonds with these guys. And I, and I know for a fact that I have friends like for a lifetime now, just because of like what you actually go through on a day to day when you're actually on tour. So it meant a lot um, that he even offered that. And, um, and it was crazy because Emily with Bash, she comes up to me and she taps me on the shoulder. She's like, Hey, stick around top 10, right? We're going to do the announcements. And I'm like, I didn't look in my phone at all. I was so su- surrendered by everything that I'm like, whatever happens, happens. So I didn't look at Bass Track. I didn't see where I was at. I didn't like check anything out. And then Bowman comes up to me. He's like, yo, dude, good job today. Like, I think you made the top 10. And I'm like, what do you like? What? <laughs> like, you're the second person that says like I'm in the top 10. And then I like look and you're like, yeah, Bass Tracks has you in nine right now and i'm like well there's a bunch of sandbagging mfers bro like I ain't gonna yeah, be- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like all these guys are sandbaggers bro like there's no way 
And I'm like, we and plus we have like 15 minutes left. Like the amount of fish that get caught in the last 15 minutes of an elite yep. derby that changes so much of the standings is astronomical. It will blow your mind. And so I was like, yeah, there's no way. You know, I'm like, I'm not sick. But in my head, I was like, you know what? Regardless if I made the top 10 or not, like that would be sweet if I top 10 it. But I think I moved up enough from 19th, let's say if I just finished out at 12, to requalify. So there was like, it was like a about an hour and a half of the most just freaking brutal anxiety mm. of of just watching every every person weigh in. My girlfriend was there. Johnny was sitting next to me. Like also just like we were both like little high school girls, bro. Like on our phones, <laughs> like, like refreshing, refreshing. Like okay, Zaldane needs to like like Zaldane needs to like crap the bed. Uh, <laughs> So and so needs to crap the bed. We we're just like going down like the lines. So like they would come up and they would weigh, and they would be like pretty close on their bass track. Yeah. And I'm like, this is the first time I've seen any of these fools like remotely <laughs> close on their bass track. I'm like, dang, dude, was I the only one sandbagging this tournament? Like I was yeah. just like, Hurt. and so that's it, right. Because I think I messaged you on Instagram after day one. I think I said sandbagger because yeah. you were yeah. three pounds heavier than what you had on a uh, bass track over. I well, I was just like, eh, you know, like eh, like when I caught the six and I, like it was like a six and a quarter. I think I told him to put a six in though. Um, but the other on Snapchat. Snapchat. The other <laughs> six. Yeah, no, but it was funny. Well, no, 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 because no, sorry, day one, I didn't, I didn't put a single fish in. I know that was the most stressful day I know. of my life. Pete watching. was texting the group like, Maddie is, he's dead. I don't know. Like Matt is either dead and didn't catch anything (laughs) or he's got a sack and he doesn't want anybody to know. (laughs) I just, I've, I've learned that if you're by yourself with no Marshall, the amount of time that it takes to pull your phone out and enter a fish in for bass track will be enough time for you to catch two to three more fish. Exactly. It's not worth it. As much as in my heart, I was like, man, I'm going to give all the homies like anxiety today. Like there will be, they'll like, they'll be stoked on like the tail end. And uh, so when I did end up having that bag, I was like, all right, this is going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I text you immediately. (laughs) (laughs) What did you end up finishing the last derby in? Uh, What was the, what place were you in? So last day I went out, I caught 25 pounds again. Yeah. And I did it. Six, right? No, I didn't move up a single spot. I I finished ninth. Oh, finished ninth. I finished ninth. Um, Okay. Yeah, it was wild. I mean, the so, rest of the boys, they were on, like, the most I could have moved up to was sixth. Yeah. That's how far away they had, like, ran away with it. It was it was pretty stupid. I felt, it's funny you talked about, like, refreshing bass track and stuff on that third day. because I kept doing it, too. I was doing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally. Like, ugh. I'm we, saying the same thing. Like, I hope, hope Zaldane's zero. <laughs> 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 Somebody needs to, somebody's boat needs to break now. <laughs> but but no but for real dude so day three like you you're like sitting in ninth was there any part of you like dude i don't even want to go fishing tomorrow like i know i requalified <laughs> no. no 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 i was like so at that point i knew that this was going to be the first time in my professional career that i was going to have zero pressure yeah on an incredible fishery just to go out and have fun okay yeah because the sabine even though like one it's not a 
it's a grind. We all we talked about that. But you got the pressure. You like you could go out and you could have won it, right? You yeah. Were pushing away from winning. Yeah. Yeah. Like, St. Lawrence, you knew you weren't going to catch up to those guys. There was no top. chance. I would have had to have like a forty-pound sack, which like you know that I would have had awesome. to. Like I would have had to beat all of my PBs and caught five of them. You know, it's like there's just like it would have seven, seven, you know, seven. Yeah, seven. Like, One lead weight, two lead weight. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't walleye fishing, Trey. This ain't walleye fishing. Come on. Oh, man. No, but dude, I can imagine. Yeah, that had to just. I'm already just go out and have fun. I'm already balding. I feel like I got more bald that day because like oh, Pete sorry, was texting no. the group. I'm. I don't usually watch. Uh, I'll, I'll catch it, you know, but usually I like to watch the highlights and stuff on YouTube. I just I don't watch it at work and stuff, but I did that day. I had it pulled up and I was like, man, this is, and this is a scary And you talk here. about like people not sandbagging. You sandbag the entire yeah, year the whole until time. that day three when you put <laughs> your actual weight in. And I'm yeah. like, oh, Bastrex is 22, so he probably has another 25 and a half pound yeah. back. <laughs> yeah, day three, I think I rolled in. It was like 20, 23, 14 or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, that was that was, that was was pretty nuts. And then on the last day, I was like, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll get it close. I don't want to sandbagger yeah. too much anymore. You, I don't want, you, to, want, you don't want to be that guy, too, because, like, no one likes the sandbagger, but everyone also likes to be the sandbagger. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hypocrisy at its best, man. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. It is funny. There's a couple guys who have gone a little bit heavy. Uh, they've gone heavy on their own scale. And yeah, like, yeah I know a couple so. of those guys. Yeah. yeah, I've done. See, I've done that on an event. Uh, I forgot which event it was, and I was so surprised when the when the fish hit the scales that it was under the weight that I put in. That I was like, I think it was Lay Lake, and I was so bummed that I was like, I'm one, I'm never weighing a fish with the cold clip in their mouth because I see yeah. other guys do that. Like weigh it with the cold clip. They're like, Oh yeah, this is about like what it's going to come out to. And you get like a closer, like guess, I guess, whatever it's going to be. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to, I'm going to weigh it. And whatever, which way with how turbulent the water was, I'm going to, I was going to enter it in on the lowest scale of which it clicked on. There so you go. I'm like, yeah. I'm like that way I, shot like i'm i'm airing on the side of lower weight i know that i'll have a little bit of at least like a half a pound to a pound buffer and then it gives me kind of a, a better understanding versus to overshoot it and then that can also screw you up in your decision making yeah. and fish fish lose weight in the uh in the live wells i know a lot of guys that don't weigh anything until fish number five right you know you start looking in the live well you got you know crawfish yeah. And and shad and I don't know what else they're gonna burp up in I think there. They but dry out too some too. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, it's um, it's more so that they 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 tense up, right? They tense up yeah. and they relax, and then in that relaxing period, they can also throw up rocks. I've had rocks in my yeah. life. Well, you know, crayfish, shad, bluegill, all of it. Yeah, and you can't put any of that stuff back it. in based on Bass's rules, right? Nope. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I wanted to ask. So what did you do that night, man? Like everything's all wrapped up. Like, what did you guys do? You and your girlfriend? Did you just go out and get some chow? Did you go? I back wanted and to, bro. Yeah. Trust, trust me, I wanted to. I, I wanted to go and celebrate. I want that was the night I wanted to just like soak it in and celebrate. I had to catch a flight Tuesday morning, um, so I knew I had a full day of work I had to get done prepping my boat out 
um, on Monday. So I, after I literally got my check from Bass, I went back to the Airbnb, we packed our bags, and we drove six and a half hours back to Ohio after wow. I fished an entire two weeks in a row. So I was that was, I bet that, was a, that was brutal, dude. It was I bet like, that was the best drive of the year though, wasn't it? It I floated most of the way there, so like, <laughs> like the wheels didn't really touch. So that yeah. was like meant for great gas mileage, but you know, it was it was cool. It I I didn't get on my phone out of respect for my girlfriend in the car with me. Otherwise, I'm just like, like writing like, like, you know, novels, you know, like if I'm driving by myself, but then I'm like, Hey babe, like respond to this, you know, or Hey babe, respond to this, you know, like, but besides that, like I didn't really touch my phone. Um, yeah. And so it wasn't until, cause even Monday I had so much I had to get done that I had already, like I had over a hundred messages on my, uh, just in my messenger. Um, and then another couple hundred in Instagram and then also on Facebook that I had to go through. So I'm like, I don't even want to touch this right now because I want to make sure to give everyone like yeah. the, the time that I want to be able to like respond and thank them. Uh, and, uh, and so when I was able to actually like kind of settle in, um, at, at the end of the night, cause I, I had, we had to fly out. Uh, my buddy Sean picked us up at like five in the morning on Tuesday. So, you know, it was, it was like a pretty gnarly gauntlet. Um, yeah. And, and then it's, that's why when I landed back in Hawaii, I was like, oh, okay. Would you, would you, would you, you fly for three days? I was going to say, well, talk about sleeping. How do you fly? How do you fly to Hawaii? Are you a, are you a coach kid or you say, you know what? I deserve this one. I'm bumping up to a pod. <laughs> oh no, bro. <laughs> are you kidding? <laughs> A Chinese, bro. <laughs> uh, uh, I try. I mean, I try to be as as frugal as I can. You know. I mean, so what you're saying so is you would rode in the, in the luggage bin. Yeah. Like, just shove me under the plane. We'll be all right. Yeah. No. I um. It's it's funny though because my mom's my mom's. I always make that joke. Like I'm 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 in Hawaii. We say pake, which is like the pigeon term for Chinese. But my mom's more cheap than my dad, and my yeah. dad's the Chinese one. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh yeah you know i i think now that i'm home i've been treating myself to the things that i enjoy like my the, ex the expensive restaurant that i like that i would only go to like once a year you know i went there i went and like went to the tackle shop and bought a couple rods and a couple reels like like those things like because i haven't been spending money on tour like i've been really really good um when it comes to like only really getting the necessities that I need and then just trying to save as much money as I can. Um, and so, uh, and then it got to the point where like my CPA is like, yo bro, you gotta like, you gotta bump up some of these write-offs. Cause like this was a little bit more than you expected. So I'm like, right. <laughs> that's so, a good problem to have. You know, that, that's, like, a, yeah. that, that's a serious question. I know we've been going for a couple hours and um, I mean, I could talk to you all night for sure, but um just on the financial side, how, how does it, do, do you got a lot of you guys on tour and stuff? Do you invest into like a Roth or, you know, um, some sort of 401k or whatever the case may be? I, I, my business is set up, um, in Texas, um, which is technically my residence right now. Um, uh, and, and so I, 
I have a CPA that works for me in Texas. I also have an account with Edward Jones in Texas. Um, and so I have a Roth IRA set up. I don't have a 401k um, set up, but with the Roth, it's great because then I Same. can like defer, you know, yeah. 60% or whatever it is. And then not have to, I, I forgot exactly what. So I've, yeah, everything goes in before taxes or after taxes. Like yeah. a lot of folks don't think to do that. And then, you know, you're 90 and you're like, uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it's, totally. it's important. Like, you know, My setting up is something we don't, we don't grow up with right in America. Like that's something well, that unless it's in your family and you're taught that on, on a person, right. someone mm-hmm. close to you, you don't, you're not taught that in schools, which I think is complete BS. Yes. Um, so it's, uh, it's a way I feel like, I don't know, we can go down a crazy rabbit hole when it comes to, um, you know, the dumbing of America and how I feel like we need to be educated and from a younger age to like learn how to navigate uh, the financial world and then yep. the tax realm. Um, but, you know, I feel like I tell I, I, anyone that I'm mentoring, I tell them, hey, start start by putting put money away. Yeah, you have your savings account, but yes, yeah, start like a Roth IRA, start something else. Because if I started when I was in my 20s, I would also have you like you can compound that you know 10 yes. times than when, yep. when you start when I was like my age when I was freaking 33 you know and yep. so kicking myself you know but I'm like whatever now I'm able to take money that I would have otherwise gave away to the government to now give it to myself for the future um I think it's just a way better investment than I was just literally like okay here you yeah. go, Uncle Sam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah. I was just saying that you you said the word mentor. This will this will probably be my last like serious question. But who's been your mentor, man, uh, along the along the way? Or obviously there could be several. But who's been that one person that you really can lean heavily on? Uh, it's a it's a group of people. Is it? Uh, yeah, it really is. I I don't think. You know, it's funny because I. I have friends in Japan. I know like Taku is like this. He has like his, they call him their master. It's like, oh yeah, my master, you know, master so-and-so-san. You know, like that's that's the person that really taught him or whatever. And for me, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't that lucky to have one person that I felt like had all the answers. You know, I, I've, I'm, I'm the type of person that uh, even when I went to college and I studied religion as a mind, like basically as like a minor, I was like, you know, I, I like this about that religion, but I'm not going to take that whole, I'm going to take just that one little bit from that. And then I'm going to also take a little bit from that, but then, you know, with the backbone of this and then, but then also then when it comes to people that are mentoring me, like I have like my friend, Chris, you know, who's like a financial advisor genius, who's, you, you hear the guy speak and you, you feel like motivated to go and take over the world. And you're like, bro, I just, I was just on the phone with you for half an hour. Like, well, like <laughs> this is insane, you know, but then from, so from someone like that, you know, to my dad, who's, who's taught me a lot about my business um, uh, knowledge throughout my life. Cause he's an entrepreneur. And then, you know, people that uh, on the other side where it's more so uh, uh, emotional knowledge. So my mom, uh, when it comes to emotional knowledge and then also other people that are in my life, because I feel like to be more well-rounded, you not only have to be financially intelligent and, uh, you know, on an educational standpoint, but then you also have to be emotionally intelligent and in tune as well. Um, because it's not all about what, you know, it's also about 
the people that you know, and then how can you help and care for the people that are close to you? Yeah. And without emotional intelligence, there's no way that you can pick up on those things and subtleties. So I've, I'm, I'm really grateful that I also have like a, a really core group of friends that are actually my filmmaking friends went back to my, my filmmaking days and we always check in on, on each other. And we always say like, one, it's like, I appreciate you guys one, but two, Hey, what are we doing to better ourselves? Like, how are we like, let's get better. Like that's, we always say like, yo, like let's get better. And, and the crazy thing is we're all off in our own direction. Like one's like, you know, a, a producer, one's a, a cinematographer. The other one's a screenplay. Like he writes, writes scripts and, and me like bass fishing, but we all are still best friends. And so we all try to like, yo, let's level up. Yo, let's level up. And if someone's like, if we see someone slipping or like, or just kind of doing something that you're like, yo, like, yo, and we're close enough that you can call him out on his BS, you know? And, yeah. and, and, and so having that accountability, I think is extremely important um, where you surround yourself with people that, that are always trying to strive to like, just do better. Um, and, and whatever that is, it doesn't have to be like, yo, I'm just trying to do better because I want to make the most money in the world. It's like, no, I'm, I'm trying to do better because like, I'm like my girlfriend, for instance, she's, she inspires me all the time. She's like, okay, I'm going to go volunteer this week. And then next week I'm going to, I'm head, I'm spearheading this organization meeting. And I'm like, like, how do you like get this time? Like, you know, that, that motivation to go out and just selflessly give your time away to go and you know do beach cleanups or whatever and so i've learned a tremendous amount from her as well so i feel like i'm very grateful to have a a decent list of people that have mentored me throughout the years um and and uh and still do and i think it's important that everyone kind of keeps a group of friends that um that 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 are all trying to progress in their life and not try to be stagnant and um I think it was like a Winston Churchill like quote or something like that. Like a man is defined by the fellowship he keeps. And I think it, it, it doesn't hold like that, that holds so much validity. And um, I try to really live by that because, you know, if you're, if you're running around with a bunch of dudes that are just trying to like get drunk all the time and like burn shit down or whatever, like, I, <laughs> I, 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 like versus like, that are like yo like i'm trying to get better whether it's like yeah. i'm just trying to get better at fishing like i'm just trying to get better at this like it's it's it, as long as you're you're surrounding yourself with people that are just trying to whether that's bettering the people around them in their communities whether it's bettering their own skills or if they're just trying to help other people bro like that's just what i like to encourage and at least that's what i also what i like to keep close to myself so no, man, that's, that's, that's good stuff. I always tell the guys like, Hey, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. You need to find yeah. another room. Right. Oh, um, and so that, that coincides with what you're saying. I appreciate it. Uh, and this is going to be good for the, for the younger crowd to listen to as well. I will say if you're in this room, it's not hard to be the smartest one. <laughs> <laughs> ben, ben probably took offense. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, on, all right, let's get a little less serious. So, the 2024 schedule's out. You're obviously fishing again. What lake are you most excited about? And I'm going to say, let me guess. I I would say Fork because you're going pre-spawn and there's probably going to be a big bait bite. I'm I'm ner- I get nervous with that stuff. Yeah. Because it's what you like to it's do. It's like superstitious, like you don't want to say anything. Yeah, I don't want to say it because I can go there and they'll like I'll like 
be on a drop shot bite. (laughs) (laughs) The good news this year, unless something crazy happens, you probably won't need to do a lot of bed fishing. Yeah. I am so grateful. Yeah. I'm so grateful for the way that this turn, the, 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 this season, I mean, the schedule, you know, I, I knock on wood, I need to find something. There's um, a bunk bed right there. I got you. That <laughs> knock on wood, we have a frigid cold freaking winter and, uh, and it just pushes that pre spawn through. And yeah. we don't have like bass that pull up on beds in any of these events because I hate bed fishing tournaments. Yeah. Uh, understand I know, I know some guys love it i just i personally for the for the sport and for the fisheries and the bass probably like we shouldn't have bed fishing tournaments hands down and um even if it's like way release you know it's still a bed fishing tournament you're still mm-hmm. pressuring a fish that's trying to spawn and reproduce and the amount of pressure that you put on those fish and the amount of stress that they go through, it just it just doesn't make sense if we're trying to prolong the, the life of the sport. So right. I know some guys will like say different, well, da, 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 but I'm like, whatever, that's how I feel and that's my personal yeah. opinion. So suck it. Um, but it's <laughs> <laughs> America, you're allowed to have a different Well, way. that's that's when you know, like that's finding the healthy balance between entertainment and uh, you know, conservation, right? That's yeah. th- th- there's a healthy balance with it and uh you're never going to make everybody happy but uh but I I tend to agree with that you know um the the spawn tournaments man like there's one every single weekend there's one every single day almost you know what I'm saying so like will it have an effect I'm sure it will in, in some capacity oh, Just totally totally much. I mean, yeah. think about it the amount of bluegill that can rush onto a bed and eat eggs or a, oh, yeah. the, the amount like one turtle can do on on a, on a bed after the male gets pulled off or after like a female gets pulled off in an area or if a female was going to lay on an area and she's like an eight or a 10, she gets caught. You know, like you're, you're going to potentially kill all those eggs. Well, stunt like, or even prevent her from even, you know, wanting to lay. And then if, if those go dormant or if they get, she'll die also, like if they will literally just rot out and then she'll die if she doesn't lay those eggs. So it's, it's pretty wild, man. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to Fork. I heard Wheeler's pretty sweet, so I want to go. I want to go and um, pre-fish Wheeler. I also heard um, Toledo is also going to be and like that's one that I've that's been on my bucket list for a while. Um, and the grass is back in Toledo. Man, yeah, so. that's that's what I hear. So yeah, I, I'm excited for that one too. Um, and then also to go back up north to Champlain and St. Lawrence. Yeah, why would you not want to be happy to yeah. go back up there? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's crazy. Like Champlain will be launching out of the same spot. St. Lawrence now we just added an hour and twenty minutes to yeah. a run, which wow. kind of pisses me off. Um, but I get it. It is what it is. I'm. I. I just. I'm. I'm not gonna fish the river. It's just not what. I, I don't think it's gonna be one there. I don't think that it's like the deal. But it, I'm. Yeah. It's just. It is what it is. So. Gonna yeah. have to make some type of adjustments. Find some stuff in the river. I'm gonna have to spend like a day in it, and then also, you know, go and make the run out. But we'll see how she all plans out, and if it's meant to be, I'll requalify again. And if it's not, then <laughs> it's what it is. Yeah, you but know? you get to drop your you get to drop your worst year now, right? Since you, no, uh, that's five years. Oh, that's five, five years. years. Yeah, okay, one for every five. So basically, you have like a five year probationary period, essentially, yep. huh? 
Yeah. Which yeah. is brutal. Five year fish for your life period. That is brutal. A lot that of guys make it to that. We'll yeah. be there with you every step of the way. Maybe not literally, but like we will be there. We will be some cheese. I'm definitely going to go hang out at Murray that yeah. week. Um, yeah. I'm probably going to marshal. Yeah, dude. I keep oh, saying yeah. I'm going to marshal every year, and it's like Murray's dude, close. Dude, do it, man. Murray's sick. I, yeah. I'm really looking forward to going back to Murray, too. Murray's another one that I really enjoy fishing. Um, and, that, and that time of year, I think it will be – they'll be mostly postponed. The herring will be going. Yeah, it's gonna, And I love that style of fishing. Um, yeah. I remember a few years ago uh, – it's been, I don't know, six, seven years ago – maybe longer than that at Murray, they had one of like post-spawn tournaments early summer. And I forget the topwater bait. Oh, it's the big pencil popper, right? It's yeah. Well, I forget yeah. the specific brand, but you, you couldn't can... find one for in the entire continental U.S. Was it the, <laughs> the, the Ima or is it the Sibyl? The Sibyl one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. There was one, somebody went out there and caught, the, they the wanted to only throw in that bait. You couldn't find one for a the year. The Magic Swimmer. Now everyone and their mom has one. Dude, they wouldn't even touch it when I was there. Yeah, really. Yeah, I had friends that like had them custom painted. So Johnny had a few custom painted. Like a bunch of guys, like everyone had one tied on, and it was the funniest thing because like you go down, like <laughs> you turn a corner, you just see like a like a segmented sabiole just like flutter like through the wind. You're like, <laughs> I know what I'm not throwing. Yeah, so, a wacky rig Senko. <laughs> yeah, That's that place is fun though. That place is yeah. a lot of fun definitely i learned some cool tricks about that place that i'll definitely implement again this year yeah i definitely liked watching your uh your youtube stuff man like that's really educational and informative so definitely keep doing that because uh you know everyone's youtube stuff like yeah does it look the same sure but um uh, there's people that you like and there's people that you just don't want to watch and you're one that i like so just keep doing that <laughs> thanks man yeah thanks, thanks Trey. Appreciate i'm it. uh i'm just stealing all your waypoints i'm just letting you know no big deal yeah. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, man. Um, well, before we wrap it up, you guys got anything else that you want to hit? This is just part two. We need a part three. Probably two. Be a part three. Part, part three, because we got part some more stuff to wrap about. And five and ten. We're just gonna keep doing this. We're gonna have the Maddie Wong series, man. Yeah. Like that's the way we're gonna do it. You it's know, what I mean? do it. once a month, jump on. We're gonna talk about all kinds of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, Maddie plug it up dude who do you want to who do you want to give a shout out to especially after this season well um i mean i i, I like i gotta do the obligatory sponsor thing you absolutely know? Uh, so i you know i'm gonna so i don't forget anyone I don't yeah wanna, yeah you gotta have the list man that's I gotta that's, have pro, that's how you know you're a pro well yeah because like i've definitely done this before and i'm like dang dude this is like not good um but okay so so mega bass for sure like uh, the top, I would say Mega Bass has been incredible. Not only their baits, but you know the way that they support me, um, the whole crew and the whole team in Mega Bass. Uh, they're I, I wouldn't be able to like fish the past two seasons if it wasn't for them. So huge shout to Mega Bass. Um, Lateral Vision, um, you know you guys have been wearing the swag, which I I really appreciate it. Seriously, man. Um, and so Lateral Vision, they they were able to step up tremendously the past two years and support me um they won't be able to continue on for my third season and um i completely understand where they're coming from uh, my buddy is having a kid who's the one of the, the the owners over there and um for the size of the company and what they were able to do for me it was 
insane how they were able to support me. So um, I, uh, I, I just am so grateful for what they're able to do. Uh, gratefully that, or uh, thankfully, they'll still be able to do my personal releases. So I'm still gonna do my Madiwan capsules. I will have a, a spicy meatball uh, shirt coming yeah, out. Heck yeah. Um, and uh, so a huge out to Lateral Vision for being with me like every step of the way. And um, but then I also opens up the realm for you know new clothing sponsor. Um, if anyone's out there listening, uh, Olukai, uh, Olukai shoes um, and slippers. Um, honestly, I think the best in the business when it comes to comfortable sandals and and uh, on and off the water shoe wear. Yeti, I mean, can't say enough about how, how dope all Yeti stuff is. I mean, it's literally the, 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 the best built, strongest, like, drinkware, coolers, and, and bags that they make. It's incredible. Uh, bait fuel and freedom jigs with American Bait Works. Uh, the crew over there, uh, again, incredible team. Everyone on their pro staff is, is stout, and they're just a really, really good team uh, to be a part of and a great company. Uh, Dekine and Vertra, and uh, that's cool because I kind of like it's close to home uh, with Dekine being from Maui uh, originally, and now they're based out of Southern California and Vertra also, which is a, a, a sunscreen company. Um, so they've they jumped on to support me. Sims, Sims outerwear, some of the best stuff ever. So if you guys rock Sims and no Sims, I mean, you know, it's, it's the juice. And uh, if you rock AFCO, then I'm sorry. So... <laughs> Get over to Sims. You sell um, your afternoon by Sims, is what he's saying. Um, <laughs> Bastrix, you know, Bastrix is a, a, a local company in Ventura, California. My buddy Brian runs Bastrix, and they've been a huge support to me. And um, they make incredible soft baits that are, I think, that they're second to none. You can't find something to replicate it. So, huge shout out to Bastrix and the crew there. Gamakatsu hooks. They're gamakatsu hooks, bro. Japanese yeah. um, science and precision um, down to their their knives that they're making now. Gamakatsu is an incredible company to be a part of, and so is Sunline. And um, Sunline's a company that I've been with for a really long time, um, and now to be on their pro staff means a lot. It's the only line that I trust, honestly, and everything that I run is Sunline. Um, the hookup tackle, Ben and the crew over there in Arizona, uh, those guys are awesome. If They have the biggest skews of mega bass in the country so if you're ever looking for any type of jdm stuff that's limited releases that you can't find anywhere else um ben at the hookup tackle and um in, in phoenix those guys will take care of you and their their customer service is incredible there too um, like i've mentioned earlier in the podcast powerhouse lithium mm-hmm. um if it wasn't for my girlfriend turning off the switch <laughs> if they've powered me the past two years and uh, i've never had an issue with their batteries i know there's a ton of issues with other lithium companies out there all the ones that are pumping a lot of money into advertising um they just don't have the customer service and they don't have the warranty to back it up and uh, more so they don't have the quality control that powerhouse lithium has been able to do in their manufacturing process so Huge shout out to RJ and Bob over at Powerhouse Lithium. Electric sunglasses, uh, the crew over there, um, Todd and the rest of the boys in California. Um, you guys can take a look at my YouTube. I'll have um, affiliate links for all of them. So American Bait Works, I think I have like a 20, 20 or 25% off deal. So anyone who's listening in, you want to like get 25 or 20% off, like whether it's a halo rod, net bait, 
freedom jigs, bait fuel, whatever you want, you can put in my, my promo code there. And same thing when it comes to electric. And, um, and then I also, I believe I have one for lateral vision on there as well. But, um, and then last but not least, uh, angler armor, which was a, a kind of cool addition for this past year. Um, and that was a, uh, a, a security system that if you're going to go out and spend, you know, a mortgage basically on a boat, why not protect it? And mm -hmm. that way you have up-to-date GPS on where your boat's located. You'll have uh, notifications if anyone opens up any of your rod lockers with an audible alarm system, as well as a, tr um, a uh, alarm that will tell you whether or not your boat's plugged in or not. Oh, so nice. I had mine completely <laughs> silent. I had mine silenced. Um, <laughs> Because it, I was so it doesn't sure. work if you don't. Yeah, you were yeah. so positive. So, You're 100%. I was like, and it's, and I'm like, it's killing me because the majority of the year I had it on, and like this is the last one. I was like, because I, I had it. Yeah. So either way, but if everything out. went perfectly, hey. we would have no content. Yeah. Yeah. Lesson yeah. learned. Yeah. So you would way. have no stress. We would have no content. It's fine. True. <laughs> will, will, will it alarm if you're driving down the highway with a 100-foot extension cord still plugged into your boat? That's what I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what, that's what I really want to know. <laughs> <laughs> those, are, those are the incredible companies that support me, and um, I look forward to, you know, keeping on with a majority of them um, for this, you know, this coming year. And uh, hopefully I might be able to add a couple more. Um, and then there's also – I will have a title sponsor space open with Lateral Vision. So, um kind of keeping things open for that. And, you, uh, you know, I'm kind of, I'm excited to see where potentially can go. And um, yeah, I'm pumped for this, this next coming year. I appreciate you guys having me on and get, letting me shout out some stuff. Oh yeah. Check out my YouTube. If you guys haven't already, mm -hmm. Maddie Wong fishing, yep. uh, um, follow me on, on the Instagrams, Maddie underscore Wong. And then also on my Facebook page, Maddie Wong fishing as well. TikTok, I think it's the same. You, I noticed you've been posting on there more. I've been trying to a little tiki talkie. I see. Uh, I see you chasing some octopus around and stuff. So I did yeah. see that. That was dope. That yeah, was dope. No, they're, they're fun, dude. Yeah, I, I just love adventuring. <clears throat> well, dude, hang out on the on the line for a second, if you, if you don't mind. We uh, we definitely appreciate you. Uh, you know, running us through the last twenty four months, or I guess whatever. Um, and, and you're here now and you're requalified and we're going to be there with you every step of the way because we're excited to see your journey and uh, continue along with it. Um, and then, folks, just listening, uh, you know, go check out the uh, the fundraiser link that um, Pete's going to insert in, into the uh, description and go help those families out in, uh, in Maui that were devastated by the wildfires and stuff like that. So um, it takes a village. Matty Wong, thank you so much. Appreciate you. Ben, Pete, you got anything? Nope, just just uh, all of Maddie's stuff will be linked below. The fundraiser will be linked below. Remember, if you donate, whether it's a dollar or a thousand, send uh, send a picture of that receipt. They won't have any of your information other than your name on it, and uh, we'll do a little giveaway for that. That's right. And uh, we'll prove uh, what we're out here to do, and that's to grow a culture of anglers helping anglers one cast at a time. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God, it's a toad, son. It's a f***ing toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow, feel like it's going to be a bad day.